Welcome back to KafaroCast, everyone. Frank here, and Aaron is back from Texas and also from his recent stint with AIDS. <laughs> we have a it was a tough battle. <laughs> we have a special guest today, the one and only Mike Duplan. Hello, sir. Good morning, all. You haven't had AIDS, have you? No, not no, yet. I got a cold, but no AIDS. I don't so. know what I had. AIDS might have been better. Um, Magic Johnson figured it out. He thought, hey, well, you can take a pill for that. There's plenty of stuff you can't take a pill for. So, I don't know what I had. You just need millions. I had chronic uh, too much time in the tree stand, what I had. Because I was getting, I hunted for two weeks. I was gone hunting, and then I came back and didn't come to work for a week after that because I was in bed all week or on the couch. Well, you'll know how many people listen when you go to ATA and nobody wants to shake your hand down. No kidding. I am. Um, I may have to opt out of ATA this year, but <laughs> bummer. I'm not a big show fan. <laughs> uh, so much for all the group photos. I know, and the bedazzled jeans. There is yeah. some pretty people down there, I must say. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot that was a thing. It shows the selfies and the. Uh, oh yeah. Hey, I'm it's at a trophy photo. I'm at the, opportunity yeah, I'm at the show. <laughs> yeah. So the first. It's funny. Everybody wants to, to get a picture with somebody with some degree higher of celebrityhood than <laughs> yeah. them. You know. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I when I first went to the ATA, it was green as grass. You know, I, yeah. not, and it was um, truly about you know going to meet your you know somebody cool and talking to them for a minute and seeing all the new gear and you mean it was like a trade show it was what a show was i thought a show would be and uh it, you know you go and you, you get your deals you you know you can place your massive orders for if you're a shop and and see new bows and then fast forward 10 12 years i went and it was a, a fashion show i was amazed because it was um literally more about the Instagram update is at the shot show. What do you want? You know, and, and it was, I'm not bitching about it. I guess it was just different than what I think the original idea of the, the, the ATA was supposed to be. Yeah. Were there many affliction t-shirts or was it mainly <laughs> there sparkle, was a sparkle butt jeans? Fuckload of affliction t-shirts. That was for Chris Brackett got caught shooting a couple deer, <laughs> but that was, you know, you, you go down there and there's um, like at that time it was arrow affliction, wasn't it? Isn't that what his show was called, Bracket? God, I don't know. Um, but that was a big deal. He hadn't got caught doing whatever it yeah. was. He shot a couple deer. And then, um, you know, at, at the time, when I first went, Chuck Adams was still pretty well known. Yeah. And then when I came back, he's relatively unknown. Now, I can't, I, there's probably not a lot, I hate to use the M word, but millennials that know who Chuck Adams, well, let's name some you, you'll name gun guys. Cause oh, I can name know. archery guys too. Dwight Shue, Chuck Adams. There, there's a couple. Uh, Wayne Noel, Carlton. Noel Feather. Yeah, Noel Feather. Um, yeah, yeah I, I read all the magazines back in the good old days. And Those are the kind of guys that, well, I'm not skipping over, obviously, you know, Pope and Young, but I mean, the more when, when, when magazines and television, everything started going on, Chuck was one of the first guys yeah, to Gene make Wenzel. it. Gene Wenzel. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Gene's actually speaking at the same thing I am this year and it it was um the people that pioneered it you know now are basically unknown they're, um well, they're old and they don't give a shit either it's no like, they, they don't <laughs> you imagine the god I got a post on Instagram <laughs> it's like uh you need to be like clean the cat box okay <laughs> be like Trump posting on uh Instagram and, and Twitter 
Did you see his? Um, did you see that post that Trump had with him? He put his face on like a boxer's body. Oh yeah, yeah. it was Rocky. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> the president of the United States. <laughs> it's yeah. hilarious. It cracks me up. Did you know instantly it was Rocky's body? I didn't know whose so body it was. I just Aaron and I both did. I just laughed my ass off. Yeah, we. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, Rocky this is came out when we were little kids. So we. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> Rocky was the thing that. So, I this was part of one of my present presentations was um. Remember when, so when Rocky fought the Russian, right? He killed Apollo in like round three. Is it, is it Dragoff? Is that his? Drago, yeah. Drago, something like that. You, the, yeah. the black brother in the corner drag with off. the. <laughs> something, drag something. But the, the black dude in the corner, Rocky hits him and he cuts him and he's like, everybody's remember that? He's like, he's cut, he's yeah. bleeding. And he gets in the corner after the round. He's like, you see, he's not a machine. That changed all fat white kids for at least a week. Like the, if they had a bully, they were going to fucking beat him up. And it, of course, it didn't happen. Right. Went but, off the jelly beans. For yeah, a week. <laughs> exactly. That mo <laughs> motivated so many white guys. Um, And then do you remember Eddie Murphy talking about coming out of the theater and he's like i want some jujubes and some bonbons and put it on the moolie here and like oh you just watched rocky because it, <laughs> it was like white right for a week after rocky came out there's not so many movies like that anymore uh, yeah there's actually good ones out now and then some really horrible ones but yeah yeah, yeah. the um we we're talking about the other day. You could never make a Blazing Saddles in this day and age. No, God, no. Or Fat Albert. Never going to see a cartoon like Fat Albert no, ever again. Everything's so politically correct. Yeah, yeah. No, he, or it has he, to be. Like, I saw the Pink Panther the other day. The re, I think it was the Return of the Pink Panther. Yeah. You probably never seen that, have you? I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, have you? Okay. <laughs> when I was young, when I was a kid, <laughs> that's so freaking funny. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, just turned fifty-three. I was gonna say because you got me by almost ten. Yeah. Um, it's amazing the the change in. Uh, so can't, can't believe we went there already. Oh, I know, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, so <laughs> I think when I first got so in the ninety-five, six, seven ranges when cell phones became more prevalent or more, you know, but not quite there. And then, you know, there was, you know, we had the the, the dialy phones when I was a, a kid, right, and and. So when, you know, if your car broke down, you were fucking walking, right? There was no. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit has changed so much now where, I mean, I like with my mom calls my daughter. My daughter doesn't answer. Well, that fucking phone is in her hand 24-7. It's not because she didn't get the phone call. She just didn't want to answer. And I was trying to, I sleep better when I don't have the phone. I'm on the phone all the time, but like. My sleep, I get at least two extra hours when I don't have cell service. Um, just for a simple fact, my mind's not distracted. No, yeah, I can't wait to get the fuck off of social media. Like that's kind of my you main keep goal. Keep saying that. I I wonder. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at this point in time, like I don't. It 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 does so well with business that yeah. I I can't. But yeah. my happiest time, I'd say, two months in the NWT with no service was, uh -huh. was pretty fucking happy. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's different. You know, I was up in BC for three weeks last year and not much there, you know? No. Yeah. There's no, uh, even any Wi-Fi or anything up there. And yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it, it, I guess makes you wonder how much the damage this is doing to all of us by having these little smart boxes in our <laughs> pockets all day long. Yeah. It, um, it's definitely changed, um, as far as you know, putting in perspective of hunting, it uh, it'll make you lazy, and and I'm not saying just the cell phone, but technology, and I don't mean, yeah, lazy. Um, 
one of the reasons that most people I think are more successful than others are the ones that put the boots on the ground scouting and other people, whether they just don't have the time to do it, it, there's nothing that beats scouting. Like you just go out and scout. I mean, there's nothing that's going to be being on the ground. And then you have, I know a lot of guys that scout a lot more on the, the internet and um, it's kind of like reading about sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not the same fucking thing, right? You can read all you want about it, but until you've committed the actual act, you really can't give anybody advice or know what it's like. And it's, I don't, there's nothing wrong with using Google Earth, but how I, would that uh, how would that correlate to like a guided hunt? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> about that too. <laughs> I guess that's like a prostitute, that a, right? Yeah. That was a great. We were down in a rabbit yeah. hole a little bit. You climbed right out of it and just switched gears and took a right turn. That was that was good. Oh shit! It's, yeah, too much time in the tree stand. Yeah. You, you don't hunt whitetails a whole lot, do you? No. Yeah, I think you just don't like it or no time or. Uh, you know, I just haven't put the effort into it. Hasn't you know? Hasn't really. Uh, been something that I've wanted to focus on. So, I think Frank and I talked about it. If I had to choose one elk or whitetail, I'd probably pick whitetail. Mm-hmm. I like, but it's also I've hunted elk since you know I was mm-hmm. a little kid. Yeah, I like I like whitetail hunting, but I you got to get. I don't think I'd like whitetail hunting as much if I skipped a three month ass kicking of mountain hunting mm-hmm. and I only got to whitetail hunt one. I'd weigh fucking four hundred pounds, right? Yeah. I'd be, but it's a nice break by the time you. You get there, but it, it's certainly, it's different. I mean, I get tons of messages of how can you sit in a tree stand that long. And if it's, if there's animals coming in, I get typewriter leg only from whitetail hunting mm-hmm. in a tree stand. Ground blind, I don't get it. But when you see one coming in for a long time, mm-hmm. that's about the only time where my leg shakes so bad. Unco- well, a big buck. Yeah. That it was so bad. I think I told Frank this, but I they had ladder stands. And I, on a ladder stand, you get this big bar that you flip mm-hmm. over your head or in front. Anyway, I had it bungee yeah. to the tree that big say big 170 big white tail mm-hmm. i mean boone and crockett yeah he came out chasing a doe and it was one of those things that it was a 30 minute 20 minute ordeal of him chasing the doe and the doe wasn't in estrus but she was flirty so she was doing all kinds of goofy shit didn't make sense run towards me run around this my legs started shaking so fucking bad that that bar started to go and was squeaking wow i'm like Snyder, fucking get it together, right? So I had to pin that thing to, with my elbow so it stopped making noise. And I'm trying to like lean on the outside of my foot and bend my knee to get my right leg to stop <laughs> shaking. It was that bad. Now, this buck was giant. You know, it'd be like a 200 plus mule deer, you know, coming out. And, you know, then it was running for the doe and it would run to me and the leg would shake uncontrollably. And then obviously adrenaline dump, it would go away like, fuck, it's not going to happen. And then it came back in. Well, I don't get that mountain hunting as much. I get excited. I just don't get the same adrenaline rush as I do for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Whatever. There's less less time to think when you're on the stock compared to sitting in a tree because you can't you can't control much yeah, from you the can't tree. Control it. Yeah, but well, from it, this, that's honestly what it is. It's an adrenaline dump, and that's and you can't control it at all. And that's I get. They were talking about it on another podcast, and people were talking about the. They feel like they got to take a shit after a big buck. They see a big buck. Yeah. Well, that's an adrenaline dump. <laughs> yeah. And it actually is. You you have to go. And yeah. your body is voiding, uh, getting ready for the big fight or flight. So yeah. well, <laughs> it was it was an intense uh, trip. Not to go talk about whitetail, but one of the, you know, you, I'm people that ask me for advice on whitetail, I would just say stop because I'm, I'm good at listening to doing what I'm told, right? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Somebody comes out and says, sit in that tree and be quiet. 
I've got Holding that, that down. What whitetail hunting is? Well, the guys that set up the trail cameras and the the tree stands and the wind and the food and the bed, like I don't, it's not my thing, right? Whatever. And you know, it'd been cooler back in the day before uh, before cameras, hmm. just setting up a tree stand on a trail and then having that big bastard yeah. come in. Then you'd really be like, holy so, shit, because you don't even necessarily know he's there. Mm-hmm. What I'm leading up to is the, where I killed that big one. Well, I guess that would be your case too, because you you don't know necessarily what's going to come in because you're not you don't live there. Well. The, the big one, I, I don't know if you saw the crazy looking deer I shot, but so they're like total, because I got to hunt in different counties because you can only shoot one buck a county. And this was where I shot the Aladad, way like 50 miles from where we are. And Scott's helping other guys. So he's like, do you have Onyx or base map or what? And I'm like, no, I don't have that shit. <laughs> so he gets on my map quest, like Google Maps, and <laughs> puts a pin. There's no topos or whatever. And he's like explaining it and so in in texas corn is involved everywhere right everybody has a there's fucking feeders everywhere well he you know he tells me he's like hey man we haven't there's been nobody's corned this there's no game cameras close that's a term corned it yeah it's corned up okay corned up up? yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it's raining corn we're making rain and uh so you would have laughed because um, it's Thanksgiving Day and it's cold as shit. And so I'm in the full-on Sitka blizzard shit and uh, hot hands everywhere. Well, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. So I take off early to find it. And as a miracle, I, I find this tree stand and I'm like, holy shit. I'm sweating fucking profusely, right? Like I should have put the shit on when I got there. So I take the jacket off and I'm kind of making the wings to get cooled off. And, of course, then I got too cold. And so... Again, I'm not a whitetail hunter, but by deductive reasoning, there's these cedars and salt cedars like super close. So normally that time of year when you rattle, I have one set coming off. I'm only repeating shit people told me to do. I didn't come with this on my own, but I have one set a cord off the ground. I bounce and that's to kind of tickle them in. And uh, then you have one in the air where you anyway, I didn't want to just bang them super loud because it would have been so close when they came in. I wanted them to be searching. I didn't want them to pinpoint it. This is all in little Snyder's brain. I'm fucking a little ab yeah, dude. <laughs> planning that shit out. So <laughs> I tie all four of them together off of the tree stand. So going from hunting around corn, something's fucking coming, right? Whether it be a doe, big bucks don't generally come. But now I'm like, fuck, am I going to sit here for seven hours and see, you know, nothing? So the phone is out and I'm playing on it like I should not be. Copenhagen cans in my crotch um, because I'm chewing profusely. And every now and then I just um, grab the cord, bounce the fucking rack, put it back down. Not the best hunting situation. I should have been paying more attention. And out of the blue, that giant buck pops out at 18 yards in front of me. He's not looking at me, which is why I didn't rattle. He's looking at the ground and he's fucking pissed and he's postured up. Well, of course, I have cell phone in hand, no wind chew i'm worried about the chew coming out off the seat bow is in the easy hanger thing you know hanging on a branch and i'm like motherfucker i fucked this up this is bad like this is what all kids should know about not being on the fucking phone like I, i've so i'm getting my chew can and luckily the buck is just like when i say postured up they look like they're 50 pounds bigger he's bristled up and his shoulders are all hunched over and he's stomping walking around anyway luckily the wind was blowing up he walked all the way around me which got me pretty fucked up because he walked six yards to my right and I saw how big he was and I was sitting which normally I don't sit but of course I'm sitting and I don't I can't get up and um you know in my mind I'm thinking I've 
I've fucked up. Like I really have pissed this great opportunity of a Boone and Crockett deer away. He does a full circle and I can hear him like licking his lips and, and he does all the way and he gets right in front of me, goes to walk away and I shot him at six yards right in front of me. And I, I you know, at that point I wasn't shaking yet. And then the adrenaline dump, and I did have to shit because I climbed out of stand for the giant poop. <laughs> oh, yeah. he, uh, I shot him, and I knew he was a, a big deer. I mean, we're not talking like a giant, giant deer, but in the high 160s type of a buck. And so I text Scott, and I'm like, fuck, dude, I just shot a monster. He's like, how big? And I'm like, I don't have any idea, but it's huge. I mean, he's over 160. I know enough about that. And I said, he's got bladed eye guards and some crazy... I call them dick tips, <laughs> but uh, what do they call them? Acorn, the acorn tips. Acorn tips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said he had dick tips. This <laughs> guy's like, dick tips? I was like, the ends of his horns look like a penis on the one side. He's like, oh, and he, he texts me a photo from the neighbor. And he's like, did it look like this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think. You know, was it the neighbor's dick? Or? Yeah, no. <laughs> that was in the second picture. He's like, Does that, that look in. like this one or this one? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that horrible as you're scrolling through trail camera photos and then there's a dick pic? Oh, sorry. <laughs> but uh, I was like. We just lost half the audience right now. I can't believe they said dick pic. Yeah, no. <laughs> the deer, where I hit it, I, I kind of, I thought was a good hit and I'm. Of course, I'm shitting my pants and I have no patience to wait. I'm not very good at waiting. And No, you got a dead deer in front of you. Well, and I'm thinking <laughs> it's dead, but I haven't seen it fall, but it, it went in the bushes. And so um, I'm like, hey, dude, I'm texting him like 100 texts. I'm like, dude, he's giant. I'm going to wait till tomorrow. That lasted like five minutes, you know, and <laughs> I'm like, so, but and I did wait like an hour, 45 minutes, and I heard a doe come in and start blowing right where I thought I heard it fall. And I'm like, she's blowing at that deer. So I climbed out of the stand and, uh, and pooped. Like I, I ran like a, as far as I could the other way because I was about to shit my drawers. Came back and I'm like, okay, just circle around in glass from where it went in. And, um, you know, whatever, in the first 40 yards I'd seen it. And then um, then I realized how whitetail fit I'd gotten. Mm-hmm. I drug that deer about 400 yards. I thought I was fucking die. I was <laughs> like, man, I, look how far I have fallen. Like it wasn't that big of a deer. They'd been rutted up. He'd lost weight. So he's maybe... 200 pounds holy shit dude i was wheezing so freaking bad it was embarrassing you by the time you got a <laughs> east coast old school you gotta get a, out of the woods man game cart or one of those little drag sleds yeah get well, straight on whitetail i tried to get it up on my shoulder and pull a cam i just didn't have it in me i, I got it to my shoulder and the thing was flopping around i'm like okay that's just this ain't happening i'm gonna drag this thing it's flat screw it so no what happened is you got it on your shoulders but you didn't have anybody there to take a picture of you. So you're like, this is pointless. <laughs> I did I did strap a deer to the new pack just to show people how to That makes sense. Do it. That's and logical. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. But I carried a coos deer once, but that doesn't count, does it? It's like I carry a I would say eighty pounds. Yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you weigh? Because you probably carry a fuckload of weight. Uh, not anymore, I don't. Well, at one time, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I weigh two sixty five. And what are you six six? Six seven. Six seven, yeah. yeah. Um with the carrying of the animal thing, because it seems to be more prevalent nowadays, I do prefer carrying an animal over dragging the fucker. It sucks oh. dragging a deer. But I mean, even... Like carrying a whole? No. Oh, I mean, okay. just carrying an animal. <laughs> no. Not car- well, if there's two guys and uh, you can get it on a... Uh, if it's conducive to tying it up on a pole quick. And it's so much different, though, when you're hunting for whitetail, because there's... There's going to be a bad boy buggy, a four-wheeler, or a truck. Oh, yeah, a little ranch road trail or... 
something. Farm road or something. This, where I killed this one, it just happened because it was in this bottom. It was like 15 foot drop offs. Oh, yeah. And you couldn't drive. Kansas River bottoms with big embankments. Yep. And you couldn't drive in there. And so, I, you know, I was like trying to figure out, like, should I wait for Scott? Well, then the man part of it came in. I'm like, if I don't drag this to out before he gets here, I'm going to feel like a big vagina because <laughs> I can do it. And I, you know, like, oh, now you're here. We'll drag it out. So I drug it and I definitely realized I have to get start doing cardio. It was pretty fucking pathetic. Ca- got the copper feeling in my throat. <laughs> it, it goes away fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to keep up with him. And Well, that's good though. He's, you're yeah. doing CrossFit and boxing now, aren't you? What's yeah. That? Luke? Yeah, yeah, I'm fucked. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Staying busy. I, I've only been whitetail hunting one time out in Kansas, and I shot a freaking whopper my very first trip, so it totally spoiled me. And Good tree stand, or were you no. looking in the coolies? No, it was a just kind of Western-style hunting, spot and stock, and got into a good position. And, and it, you know, not a huge involved story, but um, I'd went there with a friend, and he had access to this place. And we got there the day before the season, went out scouting that evening, deer all over the place, naturally. And saw us a couple nice bucks, and we're parked off this county road. And he goes, holy shit, there's a giant buck. He's got a drop tine and kickers everywhere. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't see him. He went into the into the cedar fence row before. You know, I was, I was looking through the windshield. He was looking right out, so I had, like, the A-post in my way. And by the time he just was going right in when he spotted him, so I didn't get a look at him at all. So the next morning we ran around the backside of that where there was a there was a river bottom, a field, a cedar fence row, or not fence row, but just wind row, and then a big open field. And so we went over on the edge of the river bottom on some trees and got there early in the morning. And you know, like clockwork, that buck came out of the, the wind row you know, right after first light, he'd been out in the field at night, and and, uh, and then he laid down in the sun right on the windrow. And it was like maybe 200 yards, but all I could see was his head yeah. and antlers at that point. And he laid there in the sun for an hour and a half. And finally, he stood up, and I lined up on him, and, you know, I said, give me shot. And I shot, and my bullet literally hit the fence wire right in front of him. Oh, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it, and it just, you know, exploded. Yeah, And... He took off running, but he came right at me. And oh. so I ended up shooting him at 50 <laughs> yards. When he stopped to look around, he's like, what the hell's going on? But, oh, shit. But that sucker ran another 75 yards with a blown up heart. I was very impressed. They're, they're tougher than most animals. I don't know if they get the credit they probably deserve as far as after an arrow or bullet hits yeah, them. Yeah, I've seen a lot of shows where guys shoot them and they look like good kill shots and they take off running cover some ground all of a sudden that that the one i packed out it was just a doe but the one i packed out in the pack you, the one thing i will say is hunting whitetail with a high bag limit is you do learn a lot especially about blood trailing or, mm-hmm. or what animals are capable of and that fucker ran 388 yards it was a doe double lung and it ran you know if there was trees i would have never found it. it it ran into the high crp shit whatever grass and did a, a dog leg 90 and uh I would have never caught that because it takes usually with an arrow 40, 50 yards for something to come out. Well, that 40 or 50 yards right at the end of it, it took a 90, but I could watch it in the tree and it ran way farther than it should have and fell over and died and I went over and got it. But blood trailing wise, bullet or gun, you put a lot, the more animals you see die and down there it's you can shoot 
six deer in Oklahoma and five in in uh, in Texas. So you you know you learn more than you would you know here with a bow or a gun. If you shoot a couple animals in Colorado a year, you're doing pretty good. I mean, it's not a high bag limit. You shoot, you shoot an elk and a mule deer every year, you're doing pretty good. Well, that's like a bad weekend there. Yeah, you know, it's more shoot more shooting. Yeah, I shot two does right after that. I had my three deer down in a, in a thirty yard circle, and, and that was it. It was time for scanning. Yeah, but that spoiled me. I mean, I. How big know, was f- it? Oh, it was, it would have been over 170, but it had a broken brow tine. Yeah. Yeah. So, big deer. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, he's got a drop tine and cheaters, blading, you know, he's, it's a really good buck. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you do that your very first trip. I felt like one of them stupid kids that kills a giant that, you know, his very first hunting trip and, and, uh, I'm kind of picky anyway, so I'm not real excited about going to kill little bucks, but I do want to go just shoot some does and. I like eating them. Yeah, yeah, they are very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I, I would rather shoot six, does. eight does yeah. <laughs> and put them in the freezer than shoot a couple little bucks. I, you know, I'm, I want to kill a giant whitetail now, a big, yeah, a big typical. So the eating, um, like you know, because Amy's learning. Whatever, my wife, you know, she like moose or whatever. She's eating just about everything now. But you know, we were pulling the tenderloins out right before we hang them to eat them that night. And you know, those things you can pull apart with your hand, and so. I ended up, I don't know how much I have at the process. I got to go back down and pick up the the rest of them, but the um, it's just good. I mean, it's, there's no way around mm-hmm. it. It's just the meat is unbelievable. Yeah, um, especially when you're used to eating mountain mule deer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a big difference. <laughs> well, she cooked steaks the other night, and she pulled out this deer steak, mm-hmm. and one was whitetail and one was mule deer, and there's a significant difference. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and the stress on a you know, corn fed, literally corn fed, like feeder corn fed, plus wheat and all the other shit they eat, canola or whatever the hell it is, compared to something that's eating fucking lichen and shitty Save grass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But your deer was pretty good though this year. It was all right. Yeah. yeah. It's not as good as the elk, but it's pretty good. I'll tell you what's weird is the mule deer down there taste better than the whitetails, even the old ones. The mule deer down where? Where I'm at, in, was that in Texas? Oh, really? They have good mule deer, uh, decent mule deer. Um, okay. I mean, a good, you shoot a 160, 170 yeah. down there, pretty good buck. Um, but we had a nasty-ass six-and-a-half-year-old mule deer that I thought, this thing's going to taste like shit. It's fucking better than a three-year-old doe. Wow. Um, huh. But they're lazy. There's no stress. They sit in the middle of wheat fields all day and eat, and then they'll go into these little coolies in bed. So they don't have any major stress, and all they do is eat wheat and shit all day so they are going to probably taste pretty good in comparison but probably another reason i don't spend much time whitetail hunting is i like hunting late season bulls yeah that's kind of my thing now i'm i put a reply on a tanner coulter's facebook post about or instagram post about elk the other day i said i'm pretty geeked out on them right now and i am i'm <laughs> yeah yeah i'm really like the only problem is you only have either a five-day hunt or a seven-day hunt and, and it's just not enough time to really get too serious about it. You got to spend a lot of time scouting and, well, and yeah, get lucky too. First season rifle tag in an area that I was relatively certain that he was, you know, would be passing up multiple three hundreds to get something. And yeah, it didn't pan out that way. Um, and you only <laughs> got, like you said, five days. And so if you, but we had weather right before the first season, right? Wasn't there a storm? Yeah, there was what, a storm, but yeah. when it started, it was. Okay. The so weather was nice, up. so it was yeah. they weren't what moving around. Kind of screwed us though, as it pushed those deer or those elk out of the area they should have been. 
And so for that five days, probably on the sixth and seventh day, they were back up there. But so they were more in the timber rather than, from my experience, I'll be interested to see what you think is that first season uh, rifle, and this is only for me helping guys, is they're usually doing nothing but sleep, eat, sleep, eat, just recovering from, you know, the rut. And there's still going to be some bulls that are. Depends on um, what size bulls. Usually, you know, all the bulls that have been getting shut out are suddenly able to get in and around the cows. So they're, they're act. Those are the ones you hear bugling in the first season. They haven't done anything all September and they got energy and they're excited because suddenly the big bulls are away from the cows. So those are the ones that are getting killed too. Yeah. So. And, and, and that, I agree. The the big ones, the ones we're wanting are on recovery mode usually, or can be at that time. My experience is it's around, you know, the end of the first week of October that those biggest bulls are almost entirely pulled off the cows. And that's, then that's the hardest time to kill them is during that first week. They're, they're just, you know, they don't even leave a really small area at all. And that's, Will, I think that's what I was telling you was those areas is there's a few different areas that big bulls go and they'll go 40 yards out of the wood line, eat, and they go 40 yards back in and they sleep. And it's boring. You just fucking wait and they're going to come out and eat. You may only see them for five minutes, but they're just recovering. Well, that weather... They don't want to put that effort, you know, then they got to really look for it. And there was, what, six, eight inches of snow maybe? Up top. There? Yeah. And so they only have to drop a little ways to. Yeah, once the rut's over, you know, even in the rut, the weather is just a total game changer for elk. And what I found is, you know, elk will do the same thing every day in the sun when it's clear. And all of a sudden you have a, you know, you have a storm and, and you just don't see them for a few days after that. And, that's pretty what, yeah. is, what happened. Yeah, yeah. it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad because I was the one that had you put in for the tag. And um, we went up there, and I thought the, the one year we were up there, I think we saw like 18 bulls that, you know, good good bulls um, in, in one, one at glassing area. And they were all doing kind of like we're talking about. Either they were running around looking to get laid. Cause, and they were, those were like the 260 to 300 bulls. And then the, the, the 340 plus bulls were just on recovery mode. Well, that snow fucked everything up. <laughs> I mean, they just weren't where they should have been. But yeah, it's uh, by mid-November they're getting pretty close to where they want to be for the winter. Yeah, and that's another reason I like hunting late season. How so. hard is it for you to get that tag? Which tag? Well, no, I mean to get a tag to hunt like you want to um, any tag. I'm hunting over the counter stuff. Yeah, the yeah. um, the uh, is that a shit show? No, because I go to places that yeah. <laughs> Or <laughs> nobody wants to go to, and that's why there's bulls there. If you went, if there was people around, you would not find big bulls. Yeah, that's just how it goes. They are the most intolerant of all big game animals, I think. Yeah, and you, well, you've had good success. I mean, I know you've had good success. And I know you, but those bulls, like you've killed what four donkeys, haven't you, in that yeah. later season? Yeah, how I'm, big? And I missed one this year. Was the biggest one ever. So, oh shit! Uh, well, we got you. Got to tell us that story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I missed him. He's alive. <laughs> How, was it a hard shot or? Uh, yeah, it was into the sun, and it was uh, had some wind. And, yeah, and he was moving in between cedars, feeding. Sorry, I'm backing off from no, the no problem microphone here. <laughs> yeah, I spotted him uh, first light, and it was looking into the sun. It was just a horrible place to glass, yeah. but it was the only way you could see into there. He was on the northwest siding side of the hill, and. And they generally don't like being out in the sun too much. You know, they they got a winter coat at that point, and if they're in the sun, they heat up pretty quick, and and so they just don't like it. It's uncomfortable for them. So 
you know, it was northwest facing, and he was on a super steep hillside and some thick cedars and pinions, and and it was catching glimpses of him going in between the trees, and and uh, he bedded down, and I lost him for a few hours, and then I just stayed there and got everything ready, figuring at some point he'd be up, and he got up, and by that point it was a uh, thermals wind during the middle of the day, and and the sun was still low enough in the east that um, I had it in my scope, and it was. I probably rushed the shot. Well, I know I did. I missed. But I was like almost in a half panic because I knew how big he was and he was just going in between trees and I was just getting glimpses of him. And I thought, well, once he beds down again, he's going to be down for the rest of the day. I won't even see him till after dark. And I was afraid he's going to move out of the area. So it was just, just screwed up. I, I should have been more patient. And, you know, if I didn't get a really good crack at him, um, I probably should have passed the shot. So, um, Went over there and checked and didn't find anything. Tracked him for maybe an hour going out of there. And he went around the corner into some really thick stuff. And so I went by, climbed out of the canyon, came back the next day. And it was uh, really a bummer. He was a straight six and he was over 370 and just had these big, beautiful force on him and long main beams. And just, you know, when, when you find a bull like that in over-the-counter units, just, God, heartbreaker not to get him did uh did it sound like he made it um yeah i went the, back the next day to go look again in glass i was me you know i was checking for birds and i didn't find any blood and, and he was moving out of there i was you know, on, his, on his track and he's moving at a good clip going side hill and never went down and never went up so i didn't think he was wounded at, you know based on the tracks he was leaving and so i went back just to check for birds in case and um, ended up, I went up on a high point to the north of where I was and probably a mile and a half away and to look back into this area where he kind of went around in the corner and some thicker stuff. And I was up there in the evening and right in the end of the light and I looked down and I hadn't seen him at all. I looked down and he's there 500 yards away from me and I didn't bring my rifle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm not oh, kidding man. you. It was, I left it back down at the truck cause I didn't figure I would see him and I, I was going to another spot to glass. I'm like, I'm not going to carry this big rifle up there. I got Basically, I got lazy, totally screwed up, and I paid for it. And he saw me skyline. And I'm like, oh, God. And then he started, you know, doing the, the, the spook trot where he's just covering ground and he's going uphill. And I'm like, well, he's obviously not hit. Yeah. Watched him, you know, just a few more minutes till it was too dark to see. I dropped down immediately when I saw he was looking up at the skyline and, Figured hopefully he didn't see me, but at that point I knew the, just the way he's moving, he was spooked. And so came back the next morning, went up there with my rifle, and thought, well, maybe he just didn't get out of there. So I uh, went up there and looked at the direction he was heading, and there's a little saddle. Went up to the saddle, and there's his tracks, boom, right there. And followed him uphill a little bit further, and that was it. I knew it was, there's was no catching him at that point. So Yeah, that sucks. What about deer? Uh, had a deer tag, but it was the same season, and and that was my priority. Can't focus on that. Yeah, I took my daughter deer hunting in the second season this year, and it was perfect conditions, uh, fresh snow for much of it, and an area I'd hunted before, and I was just absolutely blown away at the lack of bucks. Yeah, it's freaking slaughter in this unit the last couple of years, and we saw one small four point and some little fork and horns, 
and we're seeing over 50 deer a day and many of them on the move migrating and just not seeing any, oh, any deer, decent mean, bucks. Oh, so you were seeing deer, just nothing big. No, yeah, no. You guys think that we should have a point restriction on deer again? No, we should just limit tags. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I'm with yeah. Mike on that one. I, yeah. It sounds like from Harold, um, from what he has heard, Harold Barenbrook, um, mm-hmm. for archery that it is going to go in state to draw for everything over the counter with caps draw um for elk for elk um and but he said he didn't hear, know about out of state but it's like well why punish the fucking in-state hunters because of the money yeah well yeah exactly so hopefully you know i was hoping that we're very and i've gotten lots of hate mail from this we're very gracious to out-of-state hunters right Let me sure yeah and, <laughs> free uh, for all yeah and uh it would be cool to to limit some um <laughs> some of the it so people have been bugging me be interested in your take why i'm not been hunting elk well over the counter elk hunting fucking sucks i mean it's difficult it with can, a bow. it yeah. can't and so with all the different hunts we have going on to neglect some of the other hunts that are much funner to go beat the shit out of ourselves in hopes from in my case possibly shoot a raghorn you know mm-hmm. Um, and with the, the possibility of a bigger elk, it's hard to pass up the other hunts to go do that. And I'm, I'm not as infatuated with elk as I used to be. Now I would be more infatuated with elk. If I had a cool landowner tag every year, I'd be infatuated like a motherfucker, but for over the counter, what you're doing with a rifle, you'll find good areas and those good areas, um, can produce, but for bow hunting, it seems to be from dumb shits like us and, and others pushing the backpack hunting thing and the, mm-hmm. they'll get to those honey holes, but they don't know what to do. And so that honey hole becomes blown out in a very, very short period of time. And so it's hard for me to volunteer for that anymore when I can go hunt other shit that's fun. I can't imagine there isn't just an incredible number of the hunters that come here hunting go home really disappointed because of the quality of the experience of nothing else. There's so many people out there. It's super disheartening. I know uh, I listened to the Meat Eater podcast with uh, Rennell and Putellis talking about their Colorado experience, and they were really remarking on that too. And I, and I just see how many people are out there. And I, you know, I, that was one of the big uh, driving factors of the changes uh, that CPW implemented for upcoming seasons was this uh, perceived uh, quality of experience. And I don't know that there's a good solution to it it's just there's so many people and when you have unlimited archery elk licenses for much of the state it's you know people are going to gravitate towards that because for one they're not good planners too they don't draw a tag and yeah and it's just a easy opportunity to go buy a tag and go but have you guys been uh following the wolf thing does it sound like we're gonna end up having yeah, them? We're, we're fucked yeah well <laughs> i think they should just let us hunt them if they're gonna bring them in that's probably not gonna happen for 10 years you gotta think of CPW now is under the new governor's management and it's a liberal government and they have an agenda of what they want to do. And so I don't there's think there's a lot one of people hunter on that board that's now. But you know what you need to see? Like if they do bring them, you know, that did you guys see that video that those wolves that killed that, those two dogs? Yeah. Oh, yeah that, that kind was, of shit needs to happen. It's sad, but mm-hmm. that shit needs to happen so people can kind of see what will happen. And maybe, I mean, it's like the, it's kind of like the bear thing in BC. Like people are going to start seeing grizzlies killing other, killing people. And then they'll realize like, damn, we kind of screwed up. And then that's the only way that's, that people will realize that it's not necessarily the best decision. 
I would be interested in your guys' take on this because we just watched something last night on Nat Geo or something, but it was Yellowstone. And it was fairly detailed and gruesome. And, of course, in the end, they spin it back to wolves are good and how much. Okay, so with Yellowstone, and I said, well, Amy, a lot of what they're saying is is true from a perspective, meaning there was a lot of elk in Yellowstone. The wolves ate a shitload of them, so a lot of the different uh, plant wildlife grew back. And, you know, and I said, if you just look at it from that perspective, yeah, it, it can be twisted as very good. The thing you have to look at Colorado is Colorado is not broken, right? There's no fucking problems in Colorado that that I can see that a wolf is going to fix. No, and as far as like mule deer and elk and big game, I think we're starting to see that uh, it might not be as rosy as we've been thinking it has been for a few years. I think a mule deer... As far as what I'm seeing right now, I think we're in big trouble as far as mule deer go in this state. Oh, and as far as numbers-wise. Numbers and the future. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm very pessimistic about the future of mule deer in Colorado. And, you know, with any, there's always, they're always going to be here. But with any, you know, substantial numbers and, and quality of mature bucks, I, I'm really pessimistic about what's going to happen. I can't imagine wolves are going to help that at all. Have you hunted uh have you hunted Idaho for mule deer? No. I, we I talked to Jordan on the podcast cuz we I went up there with him and I think as a resident and even possibly a non-resident you can get two buck tags in Idaho and a lot of those guys are doing it. So you can as a resident you can get one as a resident and then you can purchase one as a non-resident as a resident. So you can get two buck tags and I think non-residents can get two non-resident tags for bucks so we we were seeing a lot of elk. What's that? <laughs> Same for thing for um, elk over there. So we were seeing deer, but we were not. We didn't see anything like nice, and we were seeing tons of deer every day. So I think that's probably. You know, there's there's four million different ways to come at this. So if you come out, there's a lot of traditional hunters that want traditional only units or seasons. And like my opinion on that is, if it makes sense to. Traditional archers aren't going to be as, as effective as a compounder rifle guy. So if it's a if it's a unit that the numbers need to be boosted and you can send traditional hunters in there and, and they're going to, you know, be paying for tags, it would make sense. But to segregate one unit just for traditional archery doesn't make a lot <laughs> People of, would fucking lose their mind. Yeah, though they would. And, and again, like guys are thinking I'm going to be pro for this. And I'm like, if it makes sense in the grand scheme of things to where, hey, the state can still make money and they're going to send 30 traditional archers in there and there's going to be a 1% success rate, then I, that doesn't bug me. But as far as making just a traditional only unit, that's a pretty fucking hard sell. Like, Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. That's just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. It's, yeah. yeah. Archery no. only would be kind of cool, but kind of like the Wasatch in yeah, Utah. Well, and I, that it's going to kind of lead into that. It would make sense in some units if you wanted to do, as far as trophy quality, to do limited archery and limited rifle. So for a rifle guy, in, in the defense of a rifle guy, meaning you don't have archers scaring the fuck out of all the animals beforehand. And so um, what do you think? Because you're more of a rifle guy. I know you're well, getting there's only one way to get big bucks, and that's to control the harvest. And yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're at a point right now where we've had such heavy harvest in many locations, we've reduced the age class to the point where, you know, it's going to be primarily small one- and two-year-old bucks. And, you know, it's a successive, um, our cumulative effect of successive years of heavy harvest. And so when, you're, when your harvest is focused on those two- and three-year-olds, 
and six years down the road, I mean, there's almost no age class representation of the older bucks. And, you know, you, you go out there on the winter range even. I'm, we're seeing it right now in Middle Park where, you know, the there's very few big mature, you know, six and seven year old bucks left out there. I, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a really picky hunter when it comes to the size of mule deer I, I'll shoot. And out there on the winter range last year with me and my buddy Clay Hill, I never saw a buck that I would shoot. No, no kidding. And I'm not saying I'd shoot them on the winter range. I'm saying, you know, if I saw that same buck in hunting season, yeah. just to clarify for those that are dense. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh, uh, it I never saw a that buck you do out there that I shot in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, and I mean, I don't, for those who aren't familiar with Clay Hill, obviously you guys both have mule deer pretty well dialed down. Clay's usually the guy that takes the governor's tag holders and yeah, all he's kinds of other. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, he's... um. He, because he's buddies with Alex and I, all the the inner click of mule deer. I don't know buddies, but they all, what's the word for that? Compete uh, a little. Uh, uh, they help each other a lot, like divvying up clients and yeah. There's what, some symbiosis. Right yeah. There. <laughs> what do you? What is that? When the bird's picking the shit out of the teeth of the alligator, co-symbiotic relationship. Yeah. yeah there you go. Um, but what would you say, like right now? weeding out all the piss ants that can't afford it like myself what would you say right now a 220 plus mule deer is worth right now jeez i you know she's go to the sheep show it's probably unlimited oh look at what look at what that guy paid on animal island to shoot that buck i mean I, I, he was over three hundred thousand for the tag and you know the, all the other ancillary expenses i can't imagine it wasn't getting way close to 400 i think uh and just the quality of mule deer and places to go on the western slope in Colorado now. It's it's either a private land, kind of a hayfield type buck, or Unit Forty Four in Eagle County, and that's where things are being concentrated right now as far as the pressure for those auction tags. And and uh, yeah, you're not seeing big two fifty, two sixty type bucks too much. No, and that's why I I and. and your biggest, what was your biggest year, 220 something? Yeah, that's right, at 220. And you've, you're 53, and mm -hmm. you've hunted for 30 years in the high country? Mm -hmm. How long have you hunted? Well, in the high country. Yeah, since uh, 1988 yeah, when so I moved here. Three decades. So when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and Robbie <laughs> talks about this a lot, and I try to put things in perspective for listeners. With what Frank and I do now, or high country buck, or, or south, um, or, or years past, an archery, a four-year-old archery, 160-inch deer, and I would consider as a good, uh, very, what do they call that? A Representative. There you go. That yeah. not that the, the, the techie word is a representation of the species? Yeah, it's a nice representative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and a 160, a true 160 buck is a, a pretty dang good buck for an, for an archery kill. Um, but you're talking about your parameters in the 190? Oh, you know, or I age or kind I've of everything. Past the score thing, it's mm -hmm. it's more of a, you know, I want to shoot at least a six or seven year old buck, and so he could be an old hammer. In fact, I'd love to kill a giant old fork, uh, fork and horn, you know, one of those. I've seen one like yeah. that that I thought was like a two forty yeah. typical because it was. Like I thought it was Mexico a is a place to go for those, not Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it's a unusual genetic configuration for sure. Well, and and, and uh, I mean, kind of diving into this. So yeah, when old, you're old bucks, old for sure. old deer. Robbie kind of says the same thing. You know, what's he curb appeal doesn't necessarily mean the score. An old buck that catches his eye. So for an archer, and I'm not downplaying archers. Um, there's some archers where 
Frank, when Frank and I go back there, we're looking for something over four or five, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere in there. And I would say score doesn't really matter as long as it's a cool looking deer. And, and, and that's kind of the, the end of it. It's not super difficult to kill a three-year-old deer. Um, I don't think I'm and and once they hit four, they get a little bit smarter. And when they're five, they're real fucking mm-hmm. smart. Um, the, the, the difference with, with kind of what you're talking about at age and everything else is, a lot of archers that go back there shoot the first kind of deer that's on the, not all, but most, you know, the first deer on the side of the trail. Frank, what's your take on this so far? Yeah. Um, and they come out of state, it's even probably worse. Um, when they're coming out of state to hunt high country mule deer, what are you thinking? Well, they're, you know, for one, the deer in velvet, they look bigger than they are. So probably they're, 10 they're, inches at least there's, there's yeah. that so you know they look heavier a little more impressive so i think it's easier for guys to rationalize shooting one in, in velvet that's smaller than that they would shoot otherwise but you know i've gotten over the the idea of like chastising people for what they you know the size of deer they want to shoot it's really not fair you're imposing uh your um, parameters and your standards on somebody else and that's just that's just not acceptable. But, so what, but you're leading what, up to, what, though, what, what I'm getting at. Go ahead. All I was going to say is bef- in order to uh, prevent yourself from getting chastised, you got to use the new hashtag, I shoot rags. <laughs> 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 no one can talk shit because you, you already, yeah, you you already did it on yourself. I, yeah. I, yeah, I accept this. But what I don't like is uh, if you are just shooting something to say, hey, man, I got something again this year and – it's like you want to shoot big bucks, but you can't find them, and you'll shoot anything just to, just to go home or com- to keep from going home empty-handed, and and that's just how, how can you have both? I tell you, well, this year's a good example of of me. But one of the things I'm leading up to is restricting tags heavily fixes everything because if even if you a lot of guys shoot younger deer, um, you 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 still are limiting the amount of young deer shot, mm-hmm. and. This year it was funny because did you end up seeing that deer that they, the one I missed that they shot? Yes. It was fucking depressing, man. But oh yeah. So we went in there for twelve days and we're just after basically. You know, I told Frank I was like I've been doing pretty good with the stick. I just want to shoot an, an old ass giant. Like there's not really any reason for me to shoot with all the deer we're finding and oh, the physical. Where you heard that before? I know, right? And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get better. And uh, it, I mean, we gave it everything we, you know, we had to. So, but I, it was amazing. I had messages coming from guys like basically the Fred Eichler thing, just shoot whatever. And I'm like, guys, if it was loaded with two and three year old deer and that was it, there's an argument to fuck it, just shoot a two or three year old deer. That's all that's here. We have the physical ability and the, and the numbers that we can go as far as we want. The amount of deer, I'm like, why would I, why would I do that? You know, it doesn't make any sense. And, and I had guys after I posted that photo of, oh, it makes sense now. Like, uh, well, the, the, the thing, and then when I went back in there, I didn't find anything. And I basically did shoot one of the only deer I found, which probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world. But I did get my money's worth out of that hunt. I had 16 days of kick-ass hunting, of physical abuse, and went after three 190-plus, six-plus-year-old deer, which was cool as shit. I just fucked up my opportunity. Um but if we limited the amount of tags, not that I want to limit me going back there, but that does solve a lot of problems for guys shooting up for the hell of it. Well, you think about what you just talked about, and 
what you did was uh, an example of goal setting. I just wrote an article about that for Western Hunter. I know you don't subscribe and read it, but um, goal setting is super important just in life. Yeah. When hunting is a big part of your life, it's natural that that is kind of makes its way into your world. And for you, you were setting a goal. Hey, man, I want to kill a big old mule deer this year. And I don't care if I shoot another little buck because I've shot a bunch of them before. And so these this is feeding something within us, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the goal setting aspect of hunting. And I think it's really super important for guys to embrace that. Yeah. And, you know, when you uh, – it's okay to go home without – killing something it, i mean it's just a lot of people I struggle have a, a, with that man. yeah it, 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 but <laughs> I do. I, but it is a, you know and when you uh when you set a goal and then you reach it at some point i mean what a satisfying feeling that is and it doesn't mean it, that goal has to be a 200 inch mule deer i mean yeah. that's an unreasonable goal especially in this day and age yeah especially here yeah <laughs> but having having those goals and you know i want to go kill a high country mule deer well Part of that, it doesn't even, at that point for somebody doing that, it might not even matter the size of the deer. It's the act of the preparation and and getting yourself in shape and getting into the backcountry, putting all the pieces together and arrowing a a two-year-old four-point mule deer. I mean, for some people that might have been so far outside of what their their life has been at that point, and they've achieved something that's almost monumental for Mm -hmm. them. And so... Um, to get that kind of um, feeling from hunting and bringing that back in your life, it's like something really a substantial thing to be proud of. And, you know, I've done some of that, and it's I haven't always understood it. I've, I've come to embrace the idea of it more as I've, you know, part of it is living life and getting older. And, and you know, like I, I finished my Grand Slam last year. Well, it was 2018. And that was, a you know, since... 2000 when I first drew my first bighorn tag and it was 18 years in the making but you know 28 years from when I first applied for sheep so you know there's in in the feeling that I got you know I had thought about before I'd even finished it you know the idea of you know registering all my sheep with the Grand Slam Club and and having that number of you know and it's a pretty limited number of people that have ever done that and partially financial and partially parts luck but uh you know, to get that, but to this day, I haven't even registered my sheep with the Grand Slam Club because it wasn't about, after I was done, it wasn't about achieving that goal of the Grand Slam. It was, you know, the the whole process of what it was involved in, and it was a, it was a big deal. Yeah, the and sheep so, Grand Slam is a fucking process yeah. because of all of it, not oh, just money. In, and, in this day and age, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but money's yeah. part of it, too. Yeah. But for you, you know, what you just talked about, um, kind of setting the goal of killing a, a big mule deer and being okay with going home without it. And, you know, it, and it's fine for people to tell you that, hey, just shoot anything, go have fun. And, yeah, that's great too. Yeah. You know, it's uh, for me, you know, like sh- going elk hunting, I don't care to kill a raghorn bull. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it would absolutely mean nothing to me. I would rather kill a cow because what I, when I look at that raghorn, I'm thinking, you know, maybe if I, let him go a few years down the road, he might turn into a Super Bowl or something like that. And, and it, and, you know, it's not, but that's my standards. And yeah. it's not something I can impose on somebody else. I say elk's different for me, just for when I say different for me, I like to eat elk. And so I'm just going to shoot. Now, I will say that 
I didn't shoot that cow because that really fucked up the mule deer hunt in that first day when I dropped <laughs> off the mountain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was just a physical thing. The uh, That was the first. Frank killed his, and then Frank and I went in several miles farther, and we were sitting on top mm-hmm. of the hill, and you were watching mule deer. And somewhere in the middle of it, we spotted a herd, and there was a big herd bull. And I think mm-hmm. I told you, I said, dude, I'm going to go shoot that fucking bull. I was like, mm-hmm. big. And I was like, do you, do you mind keeping an eye on the deer because they don't generally stop fucking around till nine or 10, right? Mm-hmm. It was probably seven 30. And, uh, you know, we got down there and, and in that case, I probably would have shot a five by five, but I didn't want to shoot the cow, um, for whatever reason. Right. Um, and I, the, what was it? 20 some yards below me in the cliffs or something. And I'm having a moment of what the fuck should I do? Like, this is going to really... Well, there's a logistical issue yeah. early season that you're going to have to deal with. I mean, you put the brakes on the deer hunt at that point. It's just, you know, assholes and elbows getting an elk out of the backcountry. Well, and, and what i kind of talking about, this is a little bit different, but the same with you, is guys were like, why didn't you shoot the cow? And I'm like, well, we, we had plenty of meat, and I didn't want to shoot something, I'd say, for the gram, for to get a photo, right? And And I knew it would... Well, one, we were looking at a lot of mule deer, right? So let's say we weren't looking at mule deer. That cow would have been deader than fuck, right? I would have shot it, and that would have taken up a couple of days. But at that time, I don't know, you were looking at four different bucks probably that were, you know, in the right good ones. And so, you know, I'm over there, and I'm thinking, okay, do I, do I, do I shoot this cow or calf? Which I want. I'm not a calf tastes good. I'll, I'll shoot a two-year-old, you know. <laughs> they taste good. So I'm like, well shit and the bull was too far away so it got all screwed up which was fine and i came back up there and then that ended up being one of the coolest stocks i've done i walked into seven deer bedded oh yeah and one fucking cranker like in fact it almost cried because i was 12 14 yards behind him for a long time and in the middle of that though one came out i was i was positive you thought i was going to shoot how many deer came out that i probably should have shot there's a pile right so i'm in the cliffs above and there's bristle comb and a three by three came out or three by four that was probably three years old and he stood there at 12 yards dumber and shit looking at me and i think you were worried because when he first came out i was going to think it was the other buck because he was like don't you know in his mind you know, don't fucking shoot that one dude so it it went back in then a four point came out and i'm like i really don't need another hundred and 40 inch four point you know and and so it, and it ended up they all winded me i think and and it was a cool deal but the big one came out and he was probably you think he's 28 29 wide oh the uh three by four he's a fucking tank three by four he's a big three by four and he came out and stood broadside at 45 50 yards and i was like holy jesus and so it didn't make sense to shoot anything other than a a, an older a, you know buck because they were they were there and then that went on for well poor frank had to watch me blow fucking stocks for the next <laughs> five days i mean how long were we back there after that i don't know i can't remember how many days but i had to leave that one day because the snow melted where i had yeah. the deer my deer so when that happened i left that area and this just goes like talking about you know priorities I went back, and if I would have hiked my fat ass back quicker, the the wide buck was in the spot, the one spot I could kill him. Um, you were, I was in the cliffs the year before. I didn't get there in time. I physically couldn't make it. And so there was a guy there that had hiked in that was kind of just stuck there physically wise. It was amazing. I mean, I got to hand it to him. The dude must weigh 270. He made it. Was he a hunter or just a? No, he's a hunter. I okay. mean, 
And then I found a bunch of three points bedded, and I'm like, dude, there's. <laughs> if you want to go down and shoot one of those three points, they're gimmies. They're laying there or whatever. And he got a good stock on and kind of that was cool for him coming from, you know, back east. And so the next morning, that big buck caught I mean, the one opportunity you wait for, he finally bedded in the spot that I thought I could kill him and uh, ended up missing. It doesn't matter. I missed him in the cliffs at 12 yards, about killed myself trying to to kill him. But when I when I saw him, did you think he was as big as he scored? Scored 198 is what the rifle hunter I didn't. Me. I didn't either. I we never really. In the 180s as I well. Never, I didn't look at him this year. Did you, you saw Last a year I saw him. Yeah. Was, it was nice. A really nice deer. He's a good buck, right? Yeah. So that's a one. There ain't very many like that in the high country. I mean, there's a no. few, but. No, because by the time they get that old and that big, they're generally, um, they've been shot already or, or they're smart enough not to be up there anymore. Well, what was funny where he bedded that deer was. The moment he lay down, I'm like, how many times has that motherfucker laid there? And we just didn't see it. You know what I mean? I was like, and so I looked at the dude and I said, hey, man, I normally wouldn't approach quite this early because he may move, but that deer's not, he's there for a reason. And when I got over there, did you have you seen that photo in the cliffs where I'm above him? Yeah. And so I'm in, I'm about to fuck fall off the cliffs, right? My legs are shaking and I'm trying to shoot him. And I just flat out had to shoot at a funny angle. And anyway, I didn't hit him. Um, that deer, I guess, so however far he traveled to his wintering ground, uh, rifle hunter killed him on a ranch. Basically, I think he shot him on a ranch. Or I don't know. But um, he ended up scoring 198. I think the deer was eight years old or seven. He had a, a broadhead hole through his ass, and someone nicked him in the spine, but brought bullet or gun or whatever. So that deer, you know, of course, I fucked up and I didn't kill him. That would have been something to... Oh Pro- yeah, probably wouldn't ever, you know. And and, and that, that one I shot with the big bases, mm-hmm. that was his riding dog. They were both old as fuck. Uh-huh. And they, when they bedded, you know, they would ass to ass, head down, head up. Like they were very, you could tell they had been around the block. Yeah, I they mean, had each other's back. Yeah, they're pretty fucking hard to kill. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only reason why I think I killed that one is um his buddy was wounded, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> so he was kind of solo. And where I killed him there, physically, I he, he probably felt pretty safe. It was pretty yeah. nutty where i shot well him. you know just and you think about the feeling of uh closing the loop on a buck like that and making it happen and and when i say pride and satisfaction i don't mean like a boastful pride i'm talking about um the sense of accomplishment that you get from you know setting a goal and 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 holding out and striving for it and then and making it happen i mean that's that's a pretty big reward system for the human psyche to and regardless of what it is, you know, sports or hunting or culmination. You know, it, yeah, it's 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 magic to as far as a motivator too to to continue to do that kind of thing. So I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's you know what you're talking about. It's difficult well, with a stick though. It is. I, I believe yeah, you no texted doubt. me yeah. and said yeah. I have you have my permission to put that down if you want or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think freaking hunt with one arm tied behind <laughs> your back as far as I'm concerned. Oh, the. Uh, <laughs> It's admirable for sure. So there's, let's 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 get that out in the open. I admire the fact that you're willing to uh, limit your um, technology to the point where you're hunting when, you know, when you're talking longbow, you you don't get any primitive, any more primitive than uh, maybe a spear. Yeah, so it starts well, getting silly. That deer in Alberta about did be, and that was a rough yeah. one. Yeah, and yeah. that was. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to have another shot at a, a deer like, yeah. like that. 
Um, so this is this a lifestyle you think you're going to continue with, or do you think it's a... Um, I'm Some, addicted to it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm going to... If I go anywhere, I'll grab a gun. Yeah. Um, you know, Patrick was asking me that the other day, our Patrick, and he's like, are you going to go back to the compound? And I'm like, if I go anywhere, I'm, I'm grabbing a fucking rifle. I'm like, I'm... Because I don't mind hunting with a rifle. It's just I like hunting with a bow better. And we talked about this before. There's some people out there that just gasp right now. (gasps) Yeah, probably. (laughs) The reason why I hunt, I don't like that Utah hunt we may do next year. It'll be a gun hunt for for, for elk. And I'm not going to take a fucking bow into a rifle hunt for the greater good of traditional archery. I'm I'm, going to take a gun because I want to shoot an elk, right? I mean... So if I didn't have so many, and you're a little bit different, but if we didn't have so many bow hunts that filled up the season, we'd probably gun hunt more if it filled, I I like to fucking shoot shit. I like to hunt. I like the adventure. So I like hunting with a stick bow, but I'm not so hardcore on the stick bow that I'm never going to grab a gun. It's just that we have enough hunts to do with the bow where I don't have to. I kind of think we have more opportunities in Colorado personally with a bow than with a gun oh, for oh sure. yeah. yeah so that's why especially a lot if, of if you stuff. just figure days yeah, i mean just sure. sheer number of days you can hunt that late rifle season you know the fourth fourth rifle being five days it's just absolutely silly how short it is it sucks yeah and well it, it takes trophy hunting or i say trophy hunting it limits the time to find an old ass giant oh yeah because five fucking days ain't very long yeah originally i don't <laughs> know if you know the the history behind that season but um we were, uh, they added on that five-day uh, hunt for mule deer only, and then uh, some of the wildlife commissioners from the Northwest and Craig lobbied the commission about, uh, or they were either commissioners or they were ranchers that were lobbying the commission, but talked about their revenue loss for business in regards to it being mule deer only. So that's why they added that late uh, elk hunt into there too, so... You know, put more. You know, added another season, more pressure. So it really wasn't designed for anything initially, other than a, a trophy mule deer hunt that was five days only. Yeah. Um, right before Thanksgiving, but these new seasons are going to change a lot of stuff in Colorado. That seems like it. Yeah. Talk about the trophy hunting thing, and I, I will say, like I, when I say trophy hunting, whatever it's looked at as a bad word, but old mature animals. I would much rather hear a story of a guy with a longbow on a backpack hunt and shoots a cow, his first animal with a self-made bow, than a guy hunting the the hill ranch or whatever the fuck it's called or whatever. You know, a $20,000 tag or just because it's more my cup of tea, the backpack hunting thing. But, I mean, having, you know, said that or whatever, you're not hunting private ranches. And I've had people mention you've shot some of your animals on, and I'm like... I can't say where he hunts, but I know where he hunts, and it's fucking hunted. Hev- I mean, I have a decent idea where he hunts. I don't know where he hunts, but I, it's like pretty fucking heavily hunted. I've hunted, bow hunted back there. It's no cup of tea bow hunting. Well, let's go full <laughs> disclosure here. I, I've killed two antelope on private land. What's it's an antelope? That's like a turkey. White tail on private land. <laughs> yeah. I've killed two elk on private land. Yeah. Uh, two cow elk. Yeah. Late season cow elk. Yeah. Never killed a mule deer or a antlered bull on private I, land. I didn't lie then because that's what I said no. yeah so no. but but that's a nice thought I mean that that would be that would be a good th- uh, rationalization of my past success for somebody well I hunt public land there's no way he could do all that on public land he must be hunting private <laughs> well the thing that I think that where it comes just you know the bigger following the more haters percentage wise or whatever is like Alberta 
Okay. Oh, of course you're going to shoot deer in Alberta. You got, you're guided. Well, for one, you, unless you want to break the fucking law, you have to have a guide. Okay. Two, I don't know. think people understand how Alberta works. You can't charge people to hunt your land. You either give permission or you don't. And that's it. There's no giant, like you can't lease out all this land. Right? Alberta's not easy either. No, it's, yeah, we it's hunted not like lot. Saskatchewan. That's, Alberta is a different animal. We hunted a lot of public land when we were there. Yeah, yeah. There was a big, ch- a huge chunk, yeah. and there were other hunters there when we, when, where we were at. There were other hunters hunting as well, so it's not like it was all. I would say those are the most difficult deer to kill, technically, that I've ever hunted in Alberta. Um, just if if you don't know how to hunt, you're gonna have a hard time killing a good buck with a, a bow because they get shot at a fucking lot from the road with a gun. Um, they're a lot more skittish. They're skittish as shit. Where, you, having said that, the weather this year for us was good and bad. It made them bed. But shooting deer with a bow in 40 mile an hour winds is a fucking problem. And the other thing, it was, well, last the Mohicans over here, how the fuck you did that? I have no idea. How long do you have your shoes off in 20 degree weather? <laughs> Almost two hours. <laughs> it's, uh, I can't do that. No. Well, the, I think what's saving is the grass. My feet were on the grass. So the tops of my feet were on the grass. So they stayed warm. But the bottoms of my feet were in the wind. And it, oh, it was brutal, man. That's all heart and desire, oh, man. Yeah. It's impressive. Well, when Nathan French was with us and the one buck Nathan and I went on, we drove by the road and it was bedded 150 yards off the road out of the wind. And I'm like, well, that's a fucking gimme. I'm like, just drop me out of the truck. So Nathan sees me draw. It's blowing so bad. I can't, I, I can't shoot up 18 yards, right? Mm-hmm. It's, what were the winds that day? 70 miles an hour? Yeah, they got really bad. It, yeah. it, he got to a point when he, when what he was looking, he's like, why didn't you shoot? And I'm like, you, do you understand the deer was looking at me and a hundred percent knew I was there when was still scared to yeah. run. That's how bad the wind was. I'm yeah. like, dude, I couldn't have hit a fucking truck. Because arrow's a sideways <laughs> rainbow at that point. <laughs> it was bad, the wind, but it was a cool... I, did you see that buck that I hit, the big one? Yes. And you sent me a picture of it when you are up there. Dude, it was bad because, like, you know, you look through, you go back or what you should have done different, and I have rain-ons. I lose the feeling in my hands and my feet. And I had a muff, and so literally I walked, like, walking into 7-Eleven, went fucking insane winds when we... We spotted, I was with Ryan Renault, and I was like, dude, this thing's gonna fucking die today. Like you couldn't plan it better. And he was in red brush like this, wind blowing from right to left, and I came back in the coulee, dropped straight down on him with his head dead away. I, I just walked right, I mean, he wasn't coming out of that red brush, you could only see the top of his tines. I knew he was big when I dropped down and I got 18, 17 yards right on the edge. I could see that. 14, 16 inch dagger coming off. And I'm like, he just went from 180 to well over two. Like I, he had shit going everywhere. And I was there for 30, 40 minutes. And I finally, the wind died down enough to where I thought I could make the shot. And I shot and a gust hit and I hit him right in the fucking neck. And it was like, he lived. But I mean, at that time, you definitely, that was one of those with a compound, I could have shot him in the eyeball, right? Like, so that was one of those where it was hard. I, I, that was a hard one to swallow. Yeah. Are you going back this year? Next year, yeah. I should say? Yeah, we're going back. Yeah. Um, well, maybe he made it. Hope, Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think if, depending upon the units, we're going to try. It's weird. So the unit that he, you hunted and you only got to hunt the one side, there's more deer, I would say, in the area where you were, total numbers. There's just bigger deer where I was. Um, I got seven yards from probably 180 bucks, six yards. It might have been closer than that. Um 
but I only saw two. Those were the two big shooters. Um, and there's other smaller bucks. The thing is, is it's a lot of, you'd like it. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of passing up a lot of deer that are just not giant. And then occasionally you get that one where a big one, I did stock into a probably 190 inch fucking whitetail to nine yards that I about wow. shot. Um, I don't know how was, big it was huge. You, it was big. You laugh. I thought it was a mule deer when I, when I dropped down one, in eh? on it. Fuck man. Um, when I dropped down in on it, it's, um, you know, it looked like the back of 210 inch typical four by four with the split because it was in the red brush. And when I got down there, I could see its main beam and I'm like, fuck, I think that's a white tail. And I'm some big body deer up there too. <laughs> well, let, thankfully I about fucked up. Does came by and it stood up to look at them. And when it stood up, I went to full draw and I was like, holy shit, that's a fucking whitetail. And it was 400-pound deer, literally. And then it laid back down, and I cried and walked away because I couldn't shoot it. But those deer up there do a guy that I'm going on a bear hunt this with year in Alberta. Um, he he has Alberta tags, and he had a lot of guys, you know, he gets pissed of guys saying weights of deer and what they are. And he had one that was like 407 on the scale um, just to show people what those deer are. They're big. So... <laughs> So were you, you said you couldn't shoot them. What, is it a mule deer only tag? Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that would have been probably one of the coolest stories you could ever tell nine yards on the ground on 180, 90 inch white Oh tail. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It, um, I'll pull a photo up of it. It was Was big. he a straight five by five? Uh, six. Uh-huh. Did you go on that hunt, Frank? Uh, yeah, but we weren't hunting together, so I didn't see it, but I saw the picture. It was a pretty big, pretty big deer. So you guys got anything left coming up this year? Or I should say this season, into the winter? I'm supposed to go to Arizona. Yeah, I'll just be doing a little predator hunting. The um, I think we're going to go for our dad down in Texas. Um, And then uh, I'm supposed to go to Arizona for mule deer and coos deer on the 1st of January with Jake and another guy. Um, for free range West Texas? No, fucking get captured in arizona on the border and no 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 i'm talking home. about the owl dad yeah, yeah 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 where i shot that one a couple uh-huh. years ago last year um who are you hunting with my buddy scott he okay. owns uh Topo, Topo, texas. texas outfitters uh-huh. and he's got three areas he's got one on the border of new mexico which is kind of a rifle area yeah and he's got another area on the paladero canyon and then he's got the other area which is like eastern colorado yeah it's a harder hunt but it's a cooler hunt if you're into you know, how are those things to eat? Not worth the shit. You gotta make them into burger. Um, <laughs> the burger's okay. You gave me you get teriyaki sticks out of them. <laughs> Their burger and sausage is yeah, great. Yeah. Um, the steak, like we took the tenderloin oh, yeah. out and it was like eating boot leather. But uh, yeah, the burger's not bad. Yeah. They're they're kind of a cool. I'm not just shot a fucking cranker. Um, I'm a high country mule deer guy, but he shot that one. It was 32 and um, some of the biggest bases I'd seen and. He asked me, he's like, what should I do with it? And I'm like, oh, yeah, make it into sausage or something. You don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to make any steaks out of that thing. Have no. you, ever, you ever got one? No. Yeah, no ambition? or Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. It's just, Are those things know. regulated? Like, is it a, a species you that's listed in Texas or New Mexico or any of those states that they live in? Is it kind of like a feral thing? Yeah, it's feral. Because we should, have. We, really want. we uh, apparently have some in some parts of Colorado, and they say you just you can kill them all. Yep. Yeah, that's how it is down there. Yeah, you can just shoot whatever. Yeah, um, there used to be some over uh, near Rifle, in between Rifle and Parachute. Way? Yeah, no years. Way. This is back in the 80s, and that was the same thing. I know a couple of friends that had 
went out looking for them, but they ne- could never find them. Over in the book cliffs right above I-70 there, there was, yeah. there was supposed to be some. That's crazy. That were running around there for a little while. So They are a cool-looking animal yeah. with the big booties and the yeah. whatever. It, they are neat-looking. Yeah, they're really dramatic-looking on the hoof alive, but the yeah. mounts look silly. They're yeah, they're weird-looking. Yeah, especially those half-body ones. I just like, God, that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like... Well, a Euro would probably look kind of cool. They yeah, would. That's yeah, what I do. Evil-looking well, I shot a female just because, well, they basically said it's impossible to shoot one with a stick on the ground. And I was like, oh, whatever. And then, so I had a giant, you know, male or whatever, like 30 plus inch. And I don't know what the fuck happened, but he, he blew out with his buddies. And then I ended up getting one in the group later. And even the females got 20 inch horns. It's cool looking, but I, I'd like to go down there and shoot a big, you know, male. It's just, they are weird to hunt. They're like a caribou. Yeah. They just kind of roam. Yeah. yeah. There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. They just they wander don't. everywhere. So is it uh, something you're going to work in between shows, trying to get down there? Yeah. It's, it's um this year's bad. Well, you only got to do one show, don't you? We got sheep show, so we won't be at Dallas Safari Club. We couldn't, we couldn't uh, work that out logistically. Yeah. And I've got speaking. I'm speaking at several different states or whatever and for the bow hunting chapters and then and then we'll just kind of fit it in there it's not that far so it's not that bad of a deal but yeah i'm not a big show guy so i just we don't go to very really many. yeah i noticed that <laughs> i get crap about it a lot oh lord uh well you you're i wouldn't say introverted but what i try to explain to people that message and i don't know how many messages you get how do i get in the industry and I'm like, well, what? What's your goal? Go, that's yeah. exactly what is your goal? And do you so want to be known. My goal was make to, money to hunt in the woods a shitload, right? I just wanted to live in the woods, and this all this other shit became as a byproduct. I'm like, if if you want to be in the industry, meaning hashtag and Yeti and shit, then just get a job with an outdoor company. Do you want to hunt a lot? Because if you want to hunt a lot, the industry job's probably not the one for for you. Become a guide, you know, if a you want to be in the woods. Become a, lot. a firefighter. Yeah, or a cop, you know, where you got different shifts, and so. Getting in the industry is 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 about the last thing I would suggest for somebody that wants to hunt because look at Jake Downs, he's a fucking hunting machine. He owns an electrical company and um, he's addicted, right? And so he gets to hunt in comparison to where if he's go ahead. This spring when we had him on, he was like, "Yeah, I don't get to hunt that much. Um, I work a lot." And then I was like, "I've been seeing him going on all these hunts." I'm like, "That's sort of a bitch." He, <laughs> he does work like a crazy fool in the off season though. Yeah. Oh, but he, yeah, he, he hunts like crazy, man. He works about 14 hours a day in the off season, and that dude fucking hunts. I mean, he he hunts a lot. He's not a great, like, he's not a trophy hunter guy. He just likes to, he likes hunting, he likes shooting shit. I mean, he shot some real good animals, but he went down there on that, the Florida tag for, for Ibex and, and shot one with a bow his first trip. Um, I mean, he gets after it. He's, he's funny, though, because um, he... Was is you know trying to figure out a way to hunt more, and I'm like, dude, I don't fucking think you can. I'm yeah. like, you know, I position the we're in's a one in a million. You know, I mean, it just doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, and most people don't realize how little money there is in this industry. Yeah, yeah, and there really isn't a lot of. And you know, if you think you're going to make money being endorsed by being super special, nah. Yeah, <laughs> it, it takes a lot to to get there. And the other thing too, like you know, my old buddy who's about to lose every sponsor he's got. What happens when you can't get them? You're, you're fucked. I mean, if that's your job and your validity or your presence is gone, I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? There's no, it's not like you can go work for another electrical company. You're, you're in the industry. And once your name is not good in the industry, you're in fucking trouble. Um, so it's, it is interesting, but the, the position like he's in, 
that just worked out because you were good enough here and you can hunt and you like the outdoors and it worked great and, and everything else. But even your position is a one in a million. I mean, there's just not that many people are going to get because you go on what, probably 15 hunts a year. Yeah, good, good amount of them. Pretty decent amount. And work in construction, like, you know, your schedule, you know, and firefighters don't make a ton of money, but your schedule is conducive where you can work around and you're hunting public land. You're not going on. Well, what testicle did you have to sell for the sheep hunt? Because I know how much you make. You just saved and when you can afford another one, figured it out? Yeah, that, that's, you know, I did work on on the side. Yeah. And I built houses. Yeah. Before I got in the fire department, I used to be a framer. Yeah. And so I had a skill set that, you know, when you're used to taking measurements and yeah. cutting stuff, <laughs> it, it, you can take it from, you know, framing to tile work. And, and I learned how to do a lot of that stuff out of necessity. Yeah. But uh, I was pretty good. I could knock out decks pretty fast. And yeah. so I made extra money building decks and that kind of thing. That so. shower doors was my. I did yeah. a few hardwood floors. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's being on not your for knees me. sucks. Yeah. But, you, you know, guys talk, you think about it and guys like, you know, whatever the, how lucky you are. But I slept on a Thermarest air mattress for three years. Um, I, I wanted to here, Here's where my luck is. Yeah. When I took the f- test for the fire department, you know, 28 years ago and I got hired. That's where I got lucky because, you know, you can do good in the, the oral exam, in the interview and, you know, the physical fitness, but there's still an element of just saying the right things on the right day and guessing right on a couple questions on the written test and, and I never, everything come together. And, you know, when I, when I got hired on the fire department, I got lucky. And I know a lot of guys that have tried that haven't gotten hired that make great firefighters and they just haven't gotten lucky. And that's, I do feel like that's where I got real lucky in life was getting that. But as far as the hunting stuff, work my ass off, man. It's, it's, and I got a whole pile of tags at home that I've unpunched. Yeah. <laughs> and, and part, you know, mainly my fault because yeah. I passed stuff up. But, you know, I, I've killed almost everything I've ever gotten on public land. And I've been choosy and I've passed up animals on public land. And, you know, granted, the mule deer hunting right now is on, on a downturn. It's not as easy. Yeah. And being picky when it's tough is a recipe for unpunched tags. And, that's kind of what uh, I'm going through right now, and I, I don't care. I mean, I'm, I've got a house full of big bucks. If I don't shoot another one, I, I'm fine with that. But I'm pretty geeked out on big bulls right now, and I, I want to shoot more of those. And yeah. and my Gard, wife got a big bull this year. Too. That's good. Yeah, she it, did. I saw that photo. Yeah, of it. it was yeah. beautiful. It was a great hunt. We had a fabulous time together, and and uh, after we got it in a, in a horrible spot, lucky my. Good buddies, the Gillespie brothers, were, <laughs> they gave up, this, these, these are good guys, man. They gave up their last day of hunting on the, the five-day, four-season hunt of elk Come help you. To help pack elk. And it was like, man, that was just an A-plus thing for them to do. And yeah, they're crazy as hell. They're they are. They're oh, hilarious. Yeah. Which one yeah. of them grabbed the fucking badger? Oh, that um, was Garrett. Garrett I always yeah, get them mixed up. I always get them mixed up. Yeah, I do so. too. <laughs> crazy. Oh, uh, Yeah. I was like, I wouldn't have done that, man. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty wild. They're funnier than hell. Uh, oh, yeah. I think, though, that, um, you know, it, it is, is uh, you know, people listening in, we get a lot of out-of-state hunters, um, you know, because obviously you live here, you're picky. What would you say, kind of I'll vote for all three of us, for bow and a gun hunter, for a bow hunter to come out with a deer and an elk tag, what do you think is realistic for a guy to kill that's not overly experienced in Colorado? 
Anything legal? And how many years do you think it'll take to shoot anything legal on average? Four. I was going to say five. So, and that's both species. Like if you go five years with both tags, minus does, you can shoot does off the fucking trail. I'm, I'm leaving does out. Cow, bull, and mule deer. For your first one, I would say it could take five years to get one of those. Frank, what do you think? Yeah, probably about the same. I think where we, uh, we've been archery hunting, started hunting that when I started archery hunting and uh, I've rifle hunted the surrounding area, but it took me a few years to figure that place out. Yeah, yeah. And so for a gun hunter, I would say it's probably pretty close to the same um, if you don't know what you're doing on an over-the-counter tag. Yeah, you know, I get messages from people all the time, especially, you know, the the week before hunting season. That's probably not the best time to message me. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but you know, they, they it's just like a, a generic, where should I go hunting? It's like, ah, oh, you know, it, it's such a, where would I go? What should I do? It's like, it doesn't even matter where you go. You're, you're almost running into the same thing anywhere you go in Colorado. It's, you have to build the knowledge of that area. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, there's every place you go, the animals do different things. You know, it, there's consistencies, but it's subtle difference from mountain ranges to, you know, canyon lands and all that in between. And you have to accumulate that knowledge. And the only way you do it is by boots on the ground and time. And there's really to shortcut it, especially when you don't have a basic uh, skill set of hunting and finding animals. Because when you have that 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 basic skill set, that you can take that anywhere. You know, as far as mountain hunting, it's it's different skill set than whitetail hunting. When you when you go to the mountains and you start learning how to find animals on public land in the mountains, that's something you can take anywhere. But you know, to, to get that knowledge, it's not as simple as just like, hey, I'm going to go in this area, in this mountain range, and this is a pretty good unit. It's like, oh, that that just, that doesn't yeah, hold water at all. No, I agree. <laughs> well, when you take that into, you know, f- factoring all things in, would a guy be better off waiting three or four years? Uh, well, for, for, for mule deer, let's say for, for archery, two years, and for elk, four to five to come out one every five years for a draw tag in comparison to trying to hunt four or five years on a No, because you, you see like, like uh, any place that's got high country has got deer in it in the summer, mm-hmm. and that's when you're going to be archery hunting. So you got the same number of deer in the unit, but they're concentrated in the summer range and also concentrated in the winter range. So you get out of that uh, summer range mode and you get into the transition and they're going to be scattered from the edge of timberline all the way down to the renter range because they go at different different animals go at different speeds and and utilize different habitat but the concentrated uh, aspect of mule deer early and late Mm -hmm. is the important times to try to be most successful and for so for for elk what do you think on the same thing as far as would it be better to draw a tag every four or five or come out every year and try to hunt over the counter for elk or for rifle or, or archery well, I, if you gave me, for example, if you wanted to give me a unit 61 bull tag for the third season next year, I would rather have the over-the-counter tag that I'm going to hunt next year than that draw tag because of my uh, local knowledge of where to hunt. And, and because when you have those draw tags, there's a, a different kind of hunting pressure in those where you're, there's more pressure on the higher end as opposed to just spread out where people are going to shoot any bull. So there's not necessarily more, you know, of the very top end bulls in the drawing units other than maybe a few select Northwest 
way um, high point units. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can't, uh, you can't replace local knowledge and experience. And you, the only way you're going to get that is by being out here. Yeah. So. I, I would say in the last five years, it, I don't know if you and I concentrated on elk, one of us probably would have shot a 300 inch bull each year if we were concentrating on elk. All right. We see him. We just don't go after front him. Them. Yeah. And, and part of that problem is, is we're so far in mm -hmm. that. Yeah. There's a serious amount of logistics there. Well, seven, eight miles is, is a problem. That's a long right? ways yeah. to pack, back, back a bull. Even you crazy fucker. He packed his camp and meat out in one trip. And what was that? 118 or something? Oh, jeez, I don't know. It was sucked. It wasn't fun. I felt bad. So I, I was time. like, what, three miles, two and a half miles from you, and you said, I'm going to pack up and leave. And I, I had just blown a stock, so I had to walk out. And you left a little bit of food because we were out of food, um, and I had food back the other way. So anyway, you messaged me at like 8 o'clock at night. Basically, that fucking sucked. I made it. And that was, what, six hours? Seven? I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't quite that far, that yeah. long. But it was probably five, six hours. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a it's a bitch. And then when I shot mine, I thought, man, I'm gonna I can make it. And I thought, fuck it, I'm paying Frank anyway, working. He can take a day off. He'll come help me, right? And so I messaged, and you came in with basically nothing. But where I told you I was gonna camp, there was nothing flat. And so I got there and waddled my fat ass up what he had to go up with about the same amount of weight and made it little over half, I guess, <laughs> of that climb. And the whole time I was thinking, man, that had to fucking blow. Because it's, you got to climb a 1,000 feet out of that hole probably. And it's zigzaggy and it's snowing on me. I was laughing because I was thinking, you know, fuck, this this fucking sucks. If we killed an elk, that's yeah, that's a problem. Because um, like, it's not downhill the whole way. There's yeah. a lot of. <laughs> yeah, would, you know, like I said, uh, Garrett and Grant helped me pack my wife's bull out. And yeah. Now my wife turned 50 this year, She's a, and she knew she had this tag and she worked hard and and got in real good shape but it was still on the edge of what she could do physically was and it I, a couple miles or oh no it was it was four miles in there and then across oh, yeah, it's horrible. across a big canyon <laughs> and you know we got her bowl and and i told her if we if you shoot this thing we're gonna not gonna be back until the middle of the night and we ended up uh she shot him and we got out at one in the morning and, and that includes a about a six mile walk, you know, coming <laughs> yeah. out that night, yeah. and it was brutal. It yeah. was it was one of the toughest days I've had. Yeah, and she was right there with it. So when we went back to pack them out, I was still pretty tired. And and uh, Garrett, I had the antlers, and we were going downhill, and I couldn't. There was places where I couldn't walk downhill. So going Steve. forwards, yeah, I had to go backwards to keep the, the bulls. <laughs> Antlers were just, you know, had those whale tails that were nailing me. It was perfect height for getting me in the back of the calf. Yeah. It was just like jabbing me going down this mountain. Then I had to turn around and go like face first down through this one area because the antlers were just hanging up on the ground. It was so steep. And and we got to the bottom, and, and I was just going to leave the cape in the bottom of the canyon, come back and get another trip because it was late enough in the year to freeze, and I can come get it in a week. and. Garrett said, ah, oh, screw that. Or Grant, he said, screw that. Just throw it in my pack. I'm like, no way, dude. It's an elk cape. And yeah. What, what's an elk cape? Probably weighs 30, yeah, 35. Probably maybe more than that, depending. But yeah. yeah this is a big bull cape. Yeah. So he strapped it on his pack and he powered out of there. I'm like, holy mackerel, that kid's <laughs> tough. And I, I picked up his pack and when we got back up to uh, the four-wheelers. And, 
And uh, like it was, I was impressed. Yeah, because he was going uphill with, <laughs> I'd say, 120 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's a big difference between the internet 120 and a fucking 120. Like, yeah. I, I, not to bash on the internet and the and the and the sizes and everything else, but like, like when Cam packed out that bear and said it was 350. I like Cam. I like what he does. But I looked at that bear. I've seen a lot of 350 pounds bears, and I was like, that bear's like 200 pounds. You know, and Knowing what I can physically carry and what Frank can physically carry, I would say 150 pounds if we had to. We could come out of where we're at if we didn't have a timeline and we took a lot of breaks. Would you say that's – I don't it, know that I could do – And was mostly downhill. Yeah, I, I don't know that I could do – Any steps uphill with that much weight just – well, kills. I think we'd have to leapfrog it out of the one hole, and people need to think about this is what I'm talking about it. I don't think most people should hunt more than two and a half miles in solo. Especially for elk. Yep, or, yeah. or less. And, yeah. and I've packed out half an elk before a few different times. If it's downhill, I've got no problem. I can go fucking, I can carry you out downhill for a long period of time. It's the uphill that is a fucking problem. If you do, let's take pictures. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you figure, I mean, you said you're 260, right? So I'm trying to think that moose I had, I had close to 300 pounds. I fell with the moose. I couldn't move. They found with my head buried in the fucking snow. I couldn't yell. I couldn't get up. And, uh, you know, I looked like a little weeble wobble rolling around fucking moose head pinned me to the ground. At 260 pounds, that breaks legs, that breaks ankles, that snaps them in half. And so it's not just physically being able to do it. It's the repercussions of if you fall. And you are tall, so you've got some, um, what's the word? Your uh, center, center of balance. gravity is yeah. way fucking worse for carrying heavy weight, or it seems to be anyway for leg and knee problems. But Well, I, I got my uh, Alaska bull moose on my uh, 30th birthday, the day of. And so we had uh, only had a day to get him out before the plane was coming. So the last trip I made, I, I had a full moose quarter, hind quarter in my uh, backpack. And I didn't want to make another trip up the mountain. So I threw the, you had to pack out the meat first before you carry the antlers out. So I had the European rack over the top of my pack. You know, I was holding on to it with one hand and a full moose hind quarter in my pack. That's 250 probably, That's, I would guess, yeah. That was least. the biggest weight. I don't know what it weighed, but <laughs> yeah. it was super heavy, and I and I fell too, and I couldn't get out from underneath it. I had to <laughs> crawl out of the straps of my pack and get out and, and finish carrying it, but it was brutal. You know, that was a, that's a leg breaker right there. And, yeah. And, there, you know, and I, I can't do it now. Physically, yeah. I can't, and nor would I. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is amazing, I say age-wise. Like, I don't, I can still carry a pretty, um, a good amount of weight. The thing I guess now is what I think about is long-term. Like I could have carried that deer out by myself this year. And, and I, I had people call me a vagina for having him come help me. But I was thinking is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 43. I'd like to do this to 60, you know, and what long-term repercussions are going to happen over time? Because I had done so much dumb shit between 20 and 40, like Colton's elk was, you carried, you, you hiked out of that with us. We did half of, half of each, um, plus seven days of gear. It was like 170 some pounds and what was that? Five and a half. Yeah. It was fucking bad, Very dude. Tough. Like bad. What's that taking off my knees over well, time? I, you know, I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what happens is, uh, I'm having problems with my right knee now and I had to have it drained recently and I got a cortisone shot into it. 
But the x-rays, you know, the doctor showed me, he says, you're bone on bone in a few spots here. You're, yeah. You've worn out your knee cartilage. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I think about I want to do this as long as possible, and doing stupid stuff is not going to help. So I got to be careful about what I do. And, you know, if it means extra trips and lower weight, that's just how it is. And, you know, it, it, uh, it's humbling. It sucks. <laughs> because I've, you know, I, I did the stuff in the past and I can't do it anymore. It's it's one of those things that, you know, I don't want to, aging gracefully is not working well for me. I'm pissed and <laughs> going kicking and screaming right now. Patrick's, Christ almighty, 80 yeah. now, 70, and he's yeah. not aging gracefully either. Uh, he just got new knees and yeah. calls me, I got a Rambo bike. Mm-hmm. Well, he thought it, you know, you could pedal and it would push you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, those fuckers don't work that way, Patrick. You got to pedal. Yeah. And uh, he called me. He was trying to push it up a hill. He goes, Aaron, the engine's not working. I'm like, dude, you got to pedal it. He's like, what? And I was like, yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's not an electric bike that, it, you know, you got to pedal and then it assists you. So he thought you were going to be able to just push it up a hill in snow because he hunts northwest corner late season. Um, and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's not it because he's not going silently into the good night. Dude, those yeah, things are so heavy, too. The Rambos, yeah. they're like oh, like 70 pounds or something. There's a lot of other options out no, there. I'm yeah. not bashing Rambo bikes. I just said, hey, dude, yeah. there's several other options that you <laughs> may want to take a look so at. <laughs> oh, the ones that Lander have are pretty cool. Those are pretty light. Those are tracks. Dude, for, fuck, man, for mule deer in Alberta or, or bear? Because, you know, in a truck driving around, there's a lot of driving in eastern Colorado, Alberta. You're driving around. That bike, you'll pass giant deer. They just they can't hear it. And so it's for coolie hopping where you're driving each coolie and glass and it's so quiet you stop 50 yards for the coolie walk up glass and they just, they work really well. And then when landowners don't want, they're worried about uh, grass fires from the trucks, they'll let you in there on the electric bike. So it works out pretty good, but it's still not, I pat, I drove my bear out with the cape and all the meat. It's a fucking shit show driving with a hundred and some pounds oh, on your yeah. back on a mountain bike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to take care of your body though. Yeah. You know, with the, be careful with you know, the macho shit because you could sustain a a life altering injury. Yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah. I haven't done that yet. But you know, one thing he did say is my, my ligaments are in great shape. Yeah. And I think that's from all the hiking in rough country and the side healing of, you know, I've had that strengthening effect and not uh, done any damage to those. I've been pretty lucky that way. I had two knee, two knee injuries. I've dislocated my kneecap twice on that same knee. Back when I was in my twenties once was, playing basketball the others was skiing and but uh you know i never had the gnar yeah exactly it was out in my out in my yard and i built my own ski ramp (laughs) so that's how gnar it was oh shit what's the worst injury i gotta pee real quick what's the worst injury you've had anything crazy physically uh i got tossed off a horse and i had my outdoorsman pack on with the frame the shelf i landed on my back and it uh had a shearing effect of where my lower body wanted to continue to go to the ground, but my upper body was stopped at where that shelf line was. Yeah, and was that right was on a hunt? Yeah, it was up in BC, and, and and it was just, it was the most searing pain I've ever had, and I thought I was screwed, like, really bad. I, I could hardly walk at the at that point, but... You so what did you have to do, cancel cancel the hunt? Or? No, it, I, I did go home early, but it was, uh, I kept going for a few days, so, but it was... It was almost over at that point anyways, but um, that's the worst as far as pain and everything I've ever felt. It was just like uh, 
it made me nauseous, almost throwing up. It, it hurt so bad. So, <laughs> yeah. that's, are you pretty good on a horse, or is this? No, no, like, we, I, I've been on yeah. a horse a lot. Yeah, I don't yeah. have any owned horses and that guy. It was a just one of those asshole BC pack string horses that decided to go underneath a branch, and you know they, you, you know, you're trying to power steer them, and they they plow straight ahead when they want to go straight ahead, and you can't do anything with them. So. The horses I was on with Bart knew I didn't know what I was doing, so those overhanging branches they'll shoot out of oh, the, yeah. the ranger file. Yeah, they try to scrape you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they're like, they they just assume that you don't know what you're doing when you're a hunter. I think they know <laughs> they know who you know the guides are, and everybody else is just a, a Joe Blow. Bart is so funny because the um, we hit a grizzly scent, and one of them mine took off. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know how to ride a horse, so my teeth are cracking together. Bart's laughing his ass off. So once my <laughs> horse stopped and Bart got done laughing, he took off with his horse so mine would run again so he could hear my teeth crack together. Bart's a comedian, right? Because I don't know shit about horses. And he, some of the stuff they take those, I'm not a horse guy. What they take those horses to is pretty phenomenal. What yeah. a horse oh, can yeah. make it through. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. We, we got into a like a sand rock bog up above tree line in BC, and my horse went immediately up to its belly and like this quicksand <laughs> shit it blew me away and and uh the horse in front went through and i could see what was happening the guy veered off a little bit and but my horse wasn't having any of it he wanted to go straight on the tail of yeah. his buddy and he went right through it and i had i grabbed my gun and bailed off just i knew what was coming i got lucky there because he went <laughs> in all the way to his belly and then he flopped on his side and and it just yeah, it was one of those things that w- that could have been a, a bad one. Was that with Dustin? With your no, stone? that was with uh, the outfit uh, that Dustin bought. Okay, gotcha. So that's yeah. when when we were talking about it. I went with that outfit twice before mm. Dustin bought it and was planning on going again. And so the previous owner made a deal with Dustin to to get me a stone sheep. Oh, and gotcha. So that was that was part of what happened there. Gotcha. So, Do you get yeah. along with Dustin good? Oh yeah. He's yeah. a funny little dude. He's a yeah. strong little fucker for being 120 pounds. His, his knees wet. are getting pretty worn out too. He's, he's hit it hard. Yeah. Yeah. So he's never we, we talked either. about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's had some, some work done and, but he knows it's his days are numbered. His knees are pretty beat up for how young he is. But you know, that guy's been on a, yeah, a hundred and something sheep hunts backpacking. So yeah. Yeah. He's been on a, he's been on a bunch. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's gritty. We talked. <laughs> that's, <laughs> um, that's pretty funny. Um, well, I talked to him last year about you, Frank, and I going up there on a moose hunt, one of the backpack moose hunts. But we ended up getting a bunch of other tags. We didn't do it. But yeah, Dust, he's a super cool dude. And we actually ran into one of Cole's head guide on the flight back from Alaska, Cole Kramer. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, I, I, I'd seen him at shows, but I couldn't put two and two together. But Cole or the guide? Um, the, guy. the guide. Oh, yeah, okay. I know Cole really well, but um, he uh, he has a fishing boat, so he does. You know, are you talking about Derek? Redhead, longer hair. No. He had, he was yeah redhead, longer hair. I can't remember. His maybe name it was. is. Maybe it is. It's kind of brownish red, I guess. Yeah, yeah, maybe brownish. Yeah, he lives red. in Cordova. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know Derek. He was cool as hell. So we we yeah. were bullshitting. Fact, we're going up there in August to go see him and go and fish, and my whole family is. Oh, cool. Well, that's what. I was amazed, you know, he's talking about the fishing and yeah. which makes more sense. You know, you can make a hell of a living doing that and then uh-huh. guide in the off season. Yeah. So, cause I, I, I want to kill a brown bear. Um, and Jonah had an opening this year. Um, it was a, it's a baited hunt, but I have another hunt book. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, it's not, 
it's a hard sell to an outfitter. Hey, I have a stick bow and I'd like to kill one on the ground. Right. I mean, and, and it's one, you know, something you may have to do three or four or five times that I can't afford. So I need to have my best opportunity to, to, to do it or whatever. I'd like to shoot one spot and stock on, you know, on the ground, but we'll see. But Cole, Cole's a, he's super cool dude. He's super mellow. Yeah. So I get yeah. along well with him. Yeah. He, I mean, you look at these guys that are doing well, it's, it's about how much effort they're putting into it. They, yeah. They're hungry and they want to get, get it done and they, they're working hard. Just, you know, like that guy, Derek, we we're just talking about, he's got a couple of, I know he's got at least two boats up there and you know, he's working his ass off, you know, catching a lot of fish and, I think he's killed a grand slam and you know he he bought uh, a desert hunt and yeah you know, he's done all that so you know he wanted it bad enough he's willing to work hard for it yeah, well, it was funny this was he was going on his first mule deer hunt this year and i saw a picture he'd end up killing a good one and i'm like never killed a mule deer and uh he's like well no i'm up i'm up here and uh, so he came down in colorado and ended up shooting a, a good mule deer but super super cool guy um yeah. i gotta look at his hair next time i didn't think it was red but what you read? <laughs> uh, I can't quite remember. Maybe yeah. like a strawberry blonde or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and again, like whatever people asking, you know, pretty much anything in life, if you put enough effort into it and sacrifice enough, yeah. you'll probably get there. Yeah. You know, the poorer you are, the more you're going to have to sacrifice. I mean, uh, like. Yeah, people, we, we go back to what we're talking about with goals. It's like, how bad do you want it? Yeah. You know, it's anything in life. I mean, Within reason, I mean. Yeah, you're not going to dunk if you're white and 5'5". No, five, five. Just no. not going to do it. But <laughs> the, uh, well, Amy had talked about it because when I first had met my wife years ago, she came over to the house and I had nothing, right? I had a pile of gear and a Thermarest air pad and she's like, well, what do you do with your money? And I'm like, well, I, I take two or three months off from work unpaid. I, I don't do anything Why with would you money. do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, to be able to hunt. And so... Which there's nothing wrong with a house and a, and a giant truck, or if that's your thing, it's just, you know, I don't know that I've ever owned a new truck. Um, I always bought, you know, normal vehicles and that would run for a long time. And that's kind of part of it if you're wanting to truly hunt all the time. Jake's the same way. He drives this piece of shit Chevy truck. It's a fucking horrible piece of shit, but he doesn't want a car payment. You know, he owns an electrical company and that's his work truck, his hunting truck. He did just buy a actually a Tundra for, for hunting and he, you know, older one you kind of have to do that if you don't have a lot of money coming in you're not going to be able to have nice shit there's just no way around I've, it. I've built six houses on my days off from the fire department when i say built them i mean literally literally, <laughs> literally built them i i don't do the drywall and insulation but i frame them and you know i've the last one i did the foundation did the septic system did nailing shingles on the roof i had to help you know i had to pay this kid to help me and but, you know, it, I worked my ass off yeah. for a couple of years building this house and sold it. And Well, you're going to fucking have to to shoot the sea sheep slam because it's not cheap. No. <laughs> no, I've got some other goals now. It's, you know, I want, I want some experiences. I'm really interested in going to Africa and going on a Cape Buffalo hunt. That just, yeah. you know, I've read and dreamt about it since I was a kid. I want to do that. I'd love to go on an hour galley hunt in Asia. I'm not sure if that's going to work out or or what but, yeah. but you know if i decide i want it bad enough i'm gonna go yeah yeah what are you gonna do the archery thing are you gonna try and bow hunt a little yeah. yeah yeah i didn't have time we this year we uh i think since i've been on the podcast last i we sold our house and moved into a rental and and had some other stuff going on i didn't have the time to put in to to i felt like hone my skill enough to 
to do what I wanted to do archery-wise. But, um, yeah, it's it's on the list of what I want to do yeah. in the future. Genetically, so. you're good because your draw length and everything. That yeah, is there a, a bow a made, a made for someone of your size? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, a big, there is. Three, those PSEs or something? I look, there's three of them that'll fit. What's your buddy Jason? How tall is he? 6'10". <laughs> yeah, he's 6'10". Um, yeah. You probably if, got If I, he's got a bow, they, they've yeah. got one for me. I was going to say, you've got a 32-inch draw length, I would yeah. guess, maybe a little better. Yeah. So it's it's doable. You may have a D-loop you could use as a sex toy. But, yeah, I mean, you'll be you'll be all right. Did, uh, uh-huh. did you know who that guy was that Tom was teaching the other it's day? Evan Eschmeyer. He's a super cool dude. We've been friends for a long time. In fact, he was the only one of the guys that I've ever met that had the balls to scold me, and I'll tell that story real quick. So... I overcommit and he knows that and uh, he wanted to go on an elk hunt and I just flat out overcommitted and I called him a couple days before and said dude I I can't make it you know and his time is much more valuable my time is hunting his time he had planned on and he still went him and his brother both giants both great basketball players Evan was the center for the Timberwolves for several years he's a fucking giant right I mean he's 6'11 7 foot he's huge his drawing's 35 inches and um he it, uh, what's the archery range up in Boulder? Um, oh, uh, Sky, game lines. Game lines. He's one on the board there with something I think. And uh, I don't know what all Evan has going on, but he's a hunting machine. But his center, he has leg, he has knee problems, and he snapped his legs because I think his center of gravity is so tall. You know, bow hunting, and he hunts more traditional now, but super, super cool dude. Um, and I think like what he did is he was smart while he was in and invested his money accordingly, and so he's able to not. You know, he's not in poverty. He's not like Sean Kemp with 14 fucking illegitimate kid children and no money. Um, you never heard the Sean Kemp story? No. You know who Sean Kemp is, that's right? A, that's a seven foot two white guy from Utah? No, no. Sean Kemp. Oh, no, no, no. no, no. That's uh, Sean. Sonics. Brother. Played for the Sonics. Yeah, black yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay. Had like nine kids from nine different women. Like making. Sending it. Crazy. Yeah. I think he played in the NBA at 18. Skipped school because he uh-huh. probably couldn't go to yeah. school. and. Unbelievable yeah. athlete. Uh, J- my buddy Jay was at a few different like award ceremonies with him and said the guy just physically was odd looking because his waist was like that big. Uh-huh. And he's just this giant dude. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable athlete. But um, he's able to hunt quite a bit. Um, Evan is. But yeah, he's got a 35 inch freaking drawing. So they can, and they got a, they got a Hoyt. XL, I think, to fit him, but he hunts Sean more Kemp? with a stick bow. No, Evan. What did he? No, I missed that. What was he having to do with the story? So, Sean, a lot of NBA players I've noticed just talking with guys that have played in the NBA, a lot of them, much like, let's bring up Lawrence Taylor, maybe did not make the smartest choices while they were in. Sean Kemp at right now, I think, is bankrupt and in poverty with nine oh, okay. kids so, from nine yeah. different women. Right, that's where that I came was, from. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they played at the same time. Like, um, he's a bow hunter? Yeah. Jesus. No. You know what's funny? Carl Malone, um, he, he hunts quite yeah. a bit. And, and Clay and, and uh, I shouldn't even tell this story. We may edit this out. But uh, they have this game they play with white and black balls. And I won't name the name of the game. But can you imagine Carl Malone? How old? How tall is the mailman? I think he was six, uh, nine, or ten. Okay, and 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 uh, Clay is a solid five seven. Um, I think Bart's five six, mm-hmm. and they're playing this game which has somewhat of a racial name. And Carl was like, "Why is it called that?" And they're like, "Well, there's one black ball and there's white ball." Anyway, <laughs> tell this story because I didn't know Malone hunted that much, and he Clay's taking him on doll sheep all kinds he's hunted all over the 
all over the place. And what's the weird is they were telling me, which this is going down a huge rabbit hole. He never had a contract the entire time he played with the Jazz. He walked in on a handshake agreement. You're into basketball, aren't you? Have you heard that before? No, I haven't heard that. I, I'm not a fan anymore. I used to be a huge fan back when he was playing, yeah, but yeah. You know, I was a Lakers fan and Lakers yeah. Celtic area. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Did you Larry Bird time frame like Magic yeah. Johnson? Yeah, that, I mean it was the greatest era of basketball. So we were going down major rabbit holes. That is when I was more into basketball because of my grandpa, and it was a different age. It wasn't thugged out back then. I guess is the easiest way. Well, to, it wasn't a slowdown game either. Yeah, I mean, you know, routinely. Most teams are scoring 120 points, and yeah, it was good basketball. You know, the, the Lakers fast break, and yeah, and versus Boston's passing the ball, and yeah, you know, moving around. It was good stuff. It was what was the you you know all these you know all the different guys we're talking about Stockton or not Stockton that was from the Jazz. What the hell was the Larry Bird's right hand man brunette guy looked like black, black Irish? Oh, uh, Danny McHale. No, not Danny, Danny McHale. Danny, Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale, yeah. Uh, Robert Parrish was the center. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, who was the other dude? The dude with the freckles. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. his name either. He yeah. ended up becoming a coach, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. It was funny because my, my grandpa was enamored. He's from um, – he that, – that the Hoosiers, um, the movie The Hoosiers with Gene Hackman, he's from that town, my grandpa. And so sports-wise, I'm not a basketball player, but – watching sports with my grandpa so the trailblazers which sucked forever had clyde drexler and terry porter kevin duckworth um this was in the era of magic johnson before magic johnson had aids but i remember magic johnson with the no look passes and then larry bird with that horrible looking shot that would just drain him that was my childhood i mean that was you know and now i get to look at dennis yeah they're the off guard for the celtics dennis uh or was he the point guard? He was a point guard, yeah, I think. Yeah. And uh, it was huge for me back then, which is crazy because I wrestled and then football and whatever. Basketball wasn't a huge thing, but it uh, it's different now. I don't know. Like LeBron, it's not quite the same. Uh, I, I wouldn't say the role model that Larry Bird was, but no, <laughs> you know, Jordan, Jordan was, you know, came in right at the end of that area era, I guess. And, yeah, you know, took over the league for a few years, and it was just great basketball back then. Watching the three point. Uh, competitions and then the slam dunk challenge like uh -huh. Dominic what was his name Dominic Wilkins, Wilkins yeah, yeah from the Hawks from the Hawks yeah they never yeah. had a great Spud Webb uh -huh. um, Spud Webb was what 5'7 yeah five, that it was crazy he could dunk you know have you ever seen Spud Webb mm -hmm. it was crazy as shit but I don't know why we're talking about this on a hunting podcast know. but yeah <laughs> reliving the days of me watching yeah. TV I think uh -huh. the idea was uh, how bad do you want are you willing to work hard there's some NBA players that well, if Spud oh, Webb can bad dunk, decisions. Yeah. <laughs> if Spud Webb can dunk, you can afford it. Uh, oh, shit. The Nuggets yeah. had Earl Boykins. He was yeah. probably smaller than Spud Webb. He could yeah. dunk. Yeah, he could dunk. Yeah. there's That's like the finite. There ain't too many people that tall that can, that can dunk. Although, because you played, I'm sure, obviously, oh, high I school basketball. I played a lot of basketball, yeah. Did you play in college at all or just high school? Nope. No, nope, I didn't. You, you know when you play competitively and then you'll occasionally see maybe on a pickup game that one guy that obviously made some really poor choices and how the hell is this guy not in the NBA? You're talking or, to him. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you see a guy play like that on a pickup game, you're like, fuck, this isn't yeah. fair. Like, uh, was yeah. that, that was you? Did you just piss yeah, your I was lacking away? mentoring. Were you? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I would rather hunt than play sports. Nothing wrong with that. Be. <laughs> About that age, but no, I I needed uh, a father figure that somebody that could 
yeah. was sports oriented that could guide me and and push me too. I yeah, needed, I needed to be pushed. Yeah, and didn't have it. Now I was. And then I moved out here to Colorado. I was the year I moved out here. I was playing in four different leagues at the same time. I was oh no, shit. a lot of ball. Yeah, yeah, and I was in good shape. And yeah. I, I could stand underneath the basket flat-footed and dunk it with two hands, but... Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just, being in the Army, you get guys like that that have to join, and um, there was a guy that, uh, and, and he was a white dude that um, could, you know, the, the CrossFit now is huge, the box jumps and everything. Um, this guy could stand and jump into an aerial platform basket over the handrail as a white dude that weighed 265 pounds. And you think, what happened in your life where you fucked that up? You're working construction with a bunch of guys that can't read and write. I was right. working construction while I was playing all those <laughs> night leagues. <Yeah. laughs> no, I, that, you need somebody. Mentoring, yeah. 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 No, it's true. Yeah. I was, now now we're, I'm sounding like freaking Uncle Rico or some yeah. shit. Coach would put me in. I'm just cringing right now. I'm thinking about listening to myself. Well, I, and I, I mean, I was I was good at sports too, but and I had uh, my coach, we had him on the podcast, a lot of it is the, the if I would have went back now knowing what I know in the drive, good Lord, that would have been dangerous. But it takes, that's why you talk about like the ones that make it. They've got a lot of things going for them, probably parents that push them and, you know, physical ability and everything else because it, it takes a lot. And they, um, they have to have it within themselves too. Yeah. Like uh, remember Todd Marinovich? Yeah. 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 What, a, what a horrible story that, I mean, yeah. he's a freaking robot of a quarterback, but man, he didn't have his... Million, I remember reading this article. It said million dollar brain or million dollar arm, 10 cent brain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, they had an article with him and Brian Bosworth was in there too uh, about the flops or the failures. Bosworth is definitely up there at the, you remember Brian Bosworth? Every motherfucker in high school had uh, that same fucked up haircut that Brian Bosworth yeah. did, shaved on the side. Yeah. And he was a Were huge. Were you still in high school flop. then? Yeah, 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 right then. You kind of look like him. The, uh, I, had, I cut my hair yeah. the same way yeah, Brian Bosworth did. Yeah. yeah, squinty, angry-looking eyes. And- yeah, <laughs> he was a machine, horrible actor. He had to do something when yeah. he got out. But the, um, the the finite amount of people, it's no different with hunters, really. You can talk about the 10% that kill everything. It's no different in, in sports. I mean, there's going to be probably less than 10% that can actually make it. And I mean, I you know, you chase your dreams, you put enough work into it, you'll make it. That's not the case with sports, in my opinion. It doesn't matter how good. If you suck at sports, it doesn't fucking matter how much effort you put into no. it. You're not going to make it. In no, the you have to have a skill set. You got to have the mental. And yeah. you got to have uh, somebody that can help push you when you need to be pushed. And Yeah. 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 What's up, Frank? <laughs> I want everybody to know Frank has peed more on this podcast than I have. I'm just holding it. Yeah, that's good. I can't do it. It's bad. I drink too much water. But, man, well, we're going to have to get you on again because I want to talk about photography. we got another podcast with base maps here in a little bit. But we'll have to – a bunch of people had, had talked about doing – um wanting to do one on uh, – you and I chatting about wildlife photography and camera gear and, and everything else known to man. Um, what are your camera-wise – are you Canon guy, Nikon yeah, guy? yeah. Yeah, I sold my big lens. Of, you know, I think you would just bought one not too long ago, and I got rid of mine because I got tired of carrying mm-hmm. around a, a big tripod and a big lens. And I flip flopped again. Yeah, I, it's I can't carry it that far. Yeah, and so I, I have I a like one to. to f- I don't either. I have yeah. a one to four hundred. I may get this new one that came yeah. out that's lighter, and I got a doubler yeah. that hooks yeah. on. I got a 
my equipment right now is a Canon 7D with a 1.4 teleconverter and a 300 millimeter image stabilized lens. That's all I shoot wildlife with anymore. Yeah, I got the one to four and a one to four hundred. Yeah, I got one point four to one to four. I was actually going to buy that lens too. So, yeah, uh, they've really improved that lens since it first came out. Yeah, and I'm running Sony's now. I've run just about everything, mm -hmm. but I think what people I'm going to say my spiel, and then you throw yours in, then we'll hop off here. Um, the one thing for, I think the, the most important thing for people getting into photography is read the fucking manual. Don't stop. Keep bugging everyone. Read the manual and learn it. Learn your equipment. Yep. Once you learn your equipment and you learn F-stop, shutter speed, what's what and who's who on that. After that, and, and Frank is a good example of that. Frank has the eye, right? He, he just gets different angles and, and is able to structure photos that are just amazing photos. That's, that's composition. That's, yep. There's some of that that uh, comes natural to people and some of it's learned. Yep. But, you know, I, I do pretty well in a, from a composition standpoint. With, yeah, I've seen your photos. Especially with wildlife. wildlife. I, you know, there's sometimes I just won't even pull the camera out. You know, I was out at the arsenal, you know, looking for that big drop time buck that's been all over Instagram. I didn't find him the, <laughs> the day I was out there, but there was another big giant buck out there. It's got eight or nine points on each side and he's standing out in a flat field with a generic background. I'm looking at him like, well, I know what he looks like. I'm not even going to pull my camera out because I, I don't want a picture of a deer standing in a, in a flat field. Well, and, and I've talking to people about that i like to catch them when they're lip balling uh -huh. unique perspectives you know uh -huh. what i mean where their back is arched where it's catching like yeah. stopping time where yeah. you can see what they're doing yeah you saw the one i just posted a couple of days i did the, yeah. yeah with the dark background yeah well when i first saw that buck i went up the hill it's a place you know well i won't save it right now but um and i got pictures of them from below and then i saw over to my left this dark background I'm, i worked my way up so I had that background behind him, and I knew with what was going on, he's working over towards some does, and I got in a position where I set up the composition yeah. to get that shot with it. You know, him lit up like, you know, with a, like a spotlight with that dark background behind him, and and you know, it's it's a fan, I, I shot I don't know maybe hundreds hundred shots in that series, but it's just a fantastic composition for that reason alone. But you know, there's a lot more to it than just snapping photos of of wildlife if you want good stuff and you know there's that's the one nice thing about all these park animals that they're fairly easy to get photos of and I like that big drop time buck it's I haven't even seen them yet I've just seen pictures of them I went out there once to the arsenal to go get photos I didn't see them but you know that's biggest deer I've ever laid eyes on that's photographable yeah well it's it, it's a shit show out at that arsenal is the other thing and it can be it's a freaking fabulous deer but it's like i don't really care as much anymore to to photograph you know these semi-tame animals it just doesn't do as much for me anymore and you know to each his own everybody you know whatever if you're into that but you know one something i saw on instagram that kind of struck a note with me yesterday was that backcountry hunters and anglers almost every live animal photograph they have on their backcountry hunters and anglers is a park semi-tame animal and that was just like a, a strange are you paradox. a public and landowner yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we all are it's because we live in america yeah, oh, yeah. Good but Lord. i you know they they got a good message man no so, I, I i no i agree one of the things i started doing recently which is probably highly illegal but i turn on the, the game call and um in parks and for uh -huh. coyotes I don't know if it's illegal or not. But. It's cool as shit. Yeah. Um, you, you know, getting them in full sprint running. And, and uh, we went last year. Um, 
allegedly. Two years ago. Oh, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't in a park, though. It was a different area. That's the only time I've ever gotten buck fever is calling coyotes. When, oh, no. When you were talking about that earlier. <laughs> yeah. I, I freaking got so amped up a couple times with having them come in. I was like so excited. Well, it's cool when you get like four coming in at yeah. once. Yeah. Four. I think last year I went on Alex's, uh, he lets me hunt out there and call in six on one stand and I was by myself <laughs> and I was, I had my bolt gun. I didn't have my AR and I'm like, wow, this is dumb. <laughs> didn't have a I shot, shot. I shot, shot one. Shotgun no. with buckshot well, in your lap. Every time I need a shotgun, I don't, I don't take it. And every time I take it, I don't need it. So it's like a That's trade That's what I used to do. I used to have my shotgun with buckshot in my lap and have my gun on a bipod set up in front of me. Yeah. And that was fun. Yeah. I, 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 I don't like freezing. I don't go a lot. I probably should go more. Guys keep bugging me. I should go try to shoot one with a stick bow. I don't like being cold enough already. I don't have the desire to freeze my ass off to sh- have that finite chance of shooting one with a stick bow. I'm, I'm all about laying rounds down range. Bill, mm-hmm. uh, Bill messaged me yesterday. He was asking uh, questions about coyotes and he's like, yeah, I'm going to bow hunt one. And I was like, well, I, I get that question a lot. Why don't you bow hunt coyotes? And I always tell him because I like to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be, it'd be cool to, to shoot a coyote with a stick bow, but it's not this high priority for me because I'd have to freeze to death. Other than that, I'm going to kill one eventually out of blind shithouse luck. One is going to walk in yeah. front of me. And no, I'll stick it. No doubt about that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. The um, the 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 photography thing, though. Like I said, we'll get you back on and talk about that and kind of go over the different um, scenarios and and everything else uh, um, on the setups because we get a lot of questions, guys. I just don't think understand the functions of a camera and why the f-stop would be at one position and the shutter speed and metering. So are and, people asking technical questions or they talk, yeah. what are they talking about in general? So for example, night shots. Okay. Um, you know, how do you get whatever the stars to pop or like in, in the case of that mule deer I shot the other day by the house, it was very, very dark, but the photos came out very This crisp. is an easy answer. Everything you want to know is on freaking YouTube. Yeah, in the manual. I mean, yeah. What's, uh, what's the it couple, uh, Tony and... Uh, They're cool as shit. Tony Nathrop and his wife. Yeah. They have their little ebook out. TJ sent it to me. Yeah. It's a lot of basic stuff, but it helped me out a lot. What, what I noticed, and I, and I shoot like um, for, for, for trophy photos, like I try to explain guys when I hand them the cameras... Just hold the button now, right? I've set up the camera for you. You're not burning film. It's it's an SD card, and I'll delete them. And so, you know, one of the things they didn't understand is I take it, and I, like, just hold the button down, and I rotate the head and smile. One of those is going to be good. If Lander is the worst fucking – never kill a big animal with Lander. Your feet will be in focus, right? Like, shit that doesn't matter. Your, your, your eyebrows will be missing in the shot. So, for me, like, I don't want to, like, go too crazy, but – I like to have good photos of the whole trip, and that includes the grip and grin, whether it be, you know, I don't want one in the back of the truck, right? I want it to have a cool photo. And so having that, the settings correct, you know, like if you want to make the, the horns really light up, I'll get the sky in the background. But then you need to have the metering correct, and I, don't, I just don't think people understand that. But just talking about stuff like that, and then obviously some of the different you photographed some pretty amazing animals some mm-hmm. of the different ones talk about that as yeah. well so yeah absolutely you got some yeah. big horns that i wouldn't mind photographing <laughs> yeah <laughs> some of them are dead now yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah the uh yeah different subject why don't we dive into that no it's a, it's a a lot of people i think a, a good tip for wildlife photography is just know your background and and that contrast between the animal and the background is just it can be magic and turn a a basic photo into just an ass kicker by by having that 
animal almost kind of isolated with the background and and so you know you some of these shots out of the arsenal you got that big drop time buck against a blue sky or with cottonwoods and brush behind them i mean it changes that photo completely so that's a that's a big hot tip for wildlife so definitely and and i think that um yeah whatever we'll hop on and talk about that and kind of go into it but um frank is there anything else you want to touch on no, well, I, we covered I did want him from Sean Kemp. To, you know, <laughs> earlier you said uh, Frank got this job because he was good enough, and you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, that, like, that definitely didn't come out. No, I, I, I know why he got quiet for the rest of the show. Yeah, no shit. Like, we, fuck, I, I'm more than good enough, asshole. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> Frank, how Frank got, you? We have a, a mutual friend, uh, Dan, and and he said Frank needed a job. And how many times did you hound me? A lot. Yeah, a bunch. And over finally, several months. Yeah, when you came up and then we went backpacking a few times and you just don't get um, a with God, it sounds horrible. With Frank's age, you usually get someone with a sense of self-entitlement that's pretty fucking bad. Right. So with what you get handed here, meaning I'm not I'm not a micromanager. Frank's his own boss. I don't think I've ever had to yell at you for work ever. Um, I think I gave you shit once because you're a horrible pre-planner. Uh I think got my strengths and weaknesses, yeah. <laughs> but again, that's my own shit, right? Just because I plan ahead of time, Frank will pack in the parking lot on a 10 day hunt with no problem. I, I can't do that. I'm not able, but as far as work goes, I, it, you know, not, like I said, not to pump your tires up too much. Very few people. I'm only here. Well, how many times have you seen me in the last month? Not yeah. counting today and yesterday. Like the. The Monday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you uh, really want to know? We have a uh, now we have a pretty solid crew though. It's not just me here, but we have a. I think we've got we've went through some people, and now we've got it pretty well dialed. I think. Yeah, yeah you you guys have gone through a good evolution as far as just from, you know, product line and everything, and 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 uh, a name in the industry too. It's there's a you had some great growth and at the right time, and I think you guys are solidly. Uh, sitting in a good position right now so trying right. trying. it makes me wonder how you guys have a lot of packs i don't even know how many yeah a bunch but yeah. it almost seems like too many but like yeah. there's too much selection but I it guess, can be but, yeah. yeah it's weird though it's funny you kill one there's like an uproar i fucking hate mail how could you kill that i'm like well i sold like 20 in the last oh, three okay. months the best mean? the best part i was telling this to anders the other day it's the people that have the pack already yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. why would you kill that pack? Yeah. It's the best one. Like, don't you have one? <laughs> <Should be fucking. laughs> that goes along with it. You know, anytime somebody asks, like, advice on equipment on the internet, you know, everybody puts on what they have. Like, there's this like, self-affirming mm -hmm. idea of, like, well, I've chose this. This is the best because I chose it. Yeah. We've like, talked oh. about that before <laughs> in depth. Well, and, and, you know, talking about gear or whatever, like, you uh, you have an outdoorsman pack and I'm assuming some type of frame pack. I uh, no, I don't have a frame pack other than the outdoorsman pack anymore. I have an old REI pack that I don't use. Yeah. So, yeah. like the outdoorsman pack, it's super versatile. I wish I had a Kavaru. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't, and I'm not nothing against the outdoorsman. You're too big for it. It's just a big ass for a, to have a load yeah. hauling suspension. Yeah, it, but go ahead. It's a, it's a really good utility pack. Oh, and it's kick ass. I mean, it's a great I, pack. I didn't use it in Alaska. I know Chris Denham. When we went on our doll sheep hunt together, he used that pack, and it's like, man, I was fairly impressed that he was able to. But everything of my, you know, Chris, I don't know, Chris is maybe five seven, and and all of his equipment in a pile is smaller than all of my equipment in a 
a six foot seven dude in the wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I eat more food, take up more space, everything, you know, my sleeping bag's bigger, my pad's bigger, everything. Well, that's what, where I'll get irritated is if you get a guy that's sick something wearing a specific pack, it's like, this is the best, it's the most comfortable. It physically can't be, right? It just fucking doesn't fit. And so I'm like, man, you're giving info to other guys that are giants that are going to buy it. And there's certain things that all pack companies have pros and cons. I mean, no matter what, um, we just probably me more than you, but you're getting bad, get jaded from reading specific or what's the best is the guy that messages, asks us for free shit. We don't give it to him. And next thing you know, we suck. Yeah. I hate one, that. Th one thing I've, uh, <laughs> I think uh, I need to figure out is I don't carry a rifle on my shoulder. I carry it strapped to my pack yeah. almost 100% of the time. So what uh, I've noticed with guns that we're shooting nowadays, generally they're longer barreled and a heavier barrel. And so it's a balance issue where you, you know, some, or if, you, if it's a barrel up, it's too high. And mm -hmm. if it's barrel down, it's too low. Yeah. So the system of attaching a gun to a pack, I don't know if you guys have, Something that you yeah, it's, it's one thing that's and, nice. We had the XLR. We had Matt. Oh, I had Matt. You, you were still sick. Matt came in on Friday from XLR and the chassis, yeah. folding stocks. Uh huh. So yeah, that's, that's super nice. To yeah, have. that is a new. Yeah, we new. have an adjustable buttstock, so you can drop it down 14 mm -hmm. inches or raise it up to the level of the pack, so you can adjust it. Yeah. For so height. that that's what I think is a pretty important thing. Moving ahead is you know these longer, heavier guns being able to balance them properly on a pack for, cause a lot of guys are carrying their guns on a pack too. So yeah, for might sure. be my ignorance to your system. Maybe you guys have already got it dialed in. So we got some stuff dialed, other stuff, not so much, but yeah, yeah either way. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you getting on. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. yeah made it through with the purple monster. <laughs> oh, shit. That's funny. Oh, well, yeah, we'll definitely schedule something. That's not a euphemism. Then. Yeah, by yeah the way. this that's, is a, a monster an energy drink. Monster energy drink, ultraviolet. Purple headed yogurt <laughs> slinger. <laughs> uh, and on that note, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.